My Take Radio is brought to you by SuperheroStuff.com. Use our promo code 15RADIO to save 15% off your total order. Get those Guardians of the Galaxy collectibles and t-shirts by heading over to SuperheroStuff.com. Our equipment this week is provided by Audio-Technica. To learn more about our headphones and our mics, head over to Audio-Technica.com. If you want to know which specific models we use, please feel free to ask or email us, and we'll gladly share that info with you. On this week's episode of My Take Radio, Ben will be joining us to discuss uh, some UFC and Bellator cards that went down this past weekend, plus the week's MMA news. On the wrestling side of things, we're going to have a raw recap as usual, and we're going to get into the wrestling news of the week. Gaming is starting to pick up, of course, getting closer into the fall. That's to be expected. So we got some decent stuff on deck there. And of course, post San Diego Comic-Con, our entertainment segment is chock full of stuff. Lots of Marvel and DC news for this week. My Take Radio, episode 237 starts right now. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 237 for Thursday, July 31st, 2014. Our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, our caller number is 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, MTR is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Of course, this show is rated M for mature due to strong language, amongst other things. Uh, figured I'd get that out of the way, just starting to make that a habit because we're starting to get a lot of new listeners and a lot of new viewers, so sometimes they come in blind not knowing what the hell we do here, so I figured we would get that out of the way. All right, so uh, this week, a couple of things we got to go through. Ben's going to be joining me for MMA. We got a lot of wrestling news to discuss. We got some really good gaming news this week, and um, in addition to that, of course, we got all the entertainment news, including a lot of the stuff that came out of San Diego Comic-Con this week. Uh, one thing you may notice is, excuse me, I am using a new mic, courtesy of our friends at Audio-Technica, which we uh, met at Consumer, Electron- uh, uh, excuse me, at Consumer Electronics Week. Uh, last week, we used a um, another mic, and this week, we're using this particular one, which um, I actually like quite a bit. It's a little different than the other mic because the other mic is a dynamic mic, this mic is a condenser mic, which requires a separate power source. Now, requiring the separate power source makes it a little bit sensitive. 
so it picks up a lot of noise i'm hoping it doesn't pick up my air conditioner in the background but i gotta have the ac on today because it's a little hot where i do the show because of all the computer equipment and the lights and you know all that fun stuff but yeah this mic um pretty badass you're gonna see a review for it on mytakeradio.com hopefully this weekend along with the other mic as well i see that slick is in the chat uh shout out to slick uh, i see ben is already in there a couple new faces so we got we got a lot on deck for tonight so last week we were discussing some changes to the show i was thinking of doing alternating weeks and i realized that trying to follow that schedule as I started like piecing it together and we were going to start it this week that news gets a little out of hand to the point where let's say I'm not doing an MMA segment if I weren't and something big happened for instance today and yesterday then I'd have to run through and do show prep so I'm thinking that for the time being and I thought about this after last week the show will remain the way it is uh, four segments three hours, uh, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., but um, I am thinking, a serious thought about this, in September, we're going to be possibly testing out doing My Take Radio two days a week, uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Wednesdays, of course, would be start time at 11 p.m., but what we're going to do is we're going to do two segments on Wednesdays, two segments on Thursdays. Wednesdays, of course, it'll be MMA and wrestling, and Thursdays, it would be gaming and entertainment and some of the other stuff that comes in between. I figured as much as I've been avoiding it and trying to split the show up, I figured in terms of just productivity and being able to crank out the shows and edit them faster, uh, this would be a lot easier. So we are going to be testing that out probably in September. I mean, we're already going into August 1st tomorrow, so I don't want to do the change right away just because there's a lot of things I have to rearrange in my schedule to make it happen. But It is something that we are going to be testing going forward. And if it goes over well and you guys like it, then we will start doing MTR two days a week. Now, of course, doing the show two days a week, we're not going to be doing, obviously, three hours every day. I'm figuring uh, if we split it in half and we do about 90 minutes, uh, maybe an hour and 45, depending, it should work relatively well. This will allow us also to get dedicated guests for dedicated segments and kind of break things up a bit. Of course, there's always going to be ancillary content that we're going to be putting out, including, um, of course, the Buried Show, which their second show, Cork and Blade, put out uh, earlier today. And, of course, other content as well, MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic as well, as as many different things as we can put out. Of course, if you're, you know, you want that full experience, get the My Take Radio app. It's $1.99. In addition to that, we're going to start doing more stuff on YouTube. I've been slacking as of late in terms of doing live streams and blast from the past and all that, but we're going to start tightening all that up, especially with the, uh, the big announcement that's coming. I'm not going to give up too much right away because I kind of want to make this uh, a big drum roll type of an announcement, but I will say that, um, after September, the, the current incarnation of mytakeradio.com will change substantially. Uh, the MyTakeRadio.com that you know now obviously is your hub for everything we cover on air plus everything that we cover off air as well. And that is, um, you know, that's going to be something that we're putting together. Ben, I know I know, I haven't, sco- I, I haven't put you fully in the know with that, but um, I'm going to probably set up like a staff call 
within the next week or two and I'm going to bring everybody on board and we're going to kind of walk through everything because it's going to be a group effort. So don't think I let you you're being left out intentionally. It's just that um, there's certain stuff that's being worked on behind the scenes. And once everybody's on the same page and we can make the announcement, that's how we're going to go with that. But the current incarnation of MyTakeRadio.com will will be forever changed. Let's just leave it at that. But out of that change is going to come something new, unique, uh, different. And with that is going to come a, a bunch of new trials and tribulations that we hope we can work through to give you guys uh, the best experience possible. So that's all I'm going to say with regards to that uh, for the time being. But as always, stay tuned. You can keep an eye on what we're doing on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, if you want to do the Instagram thing, which um, I'm noticing a lot of people are following me on Instagram. Uh, It's my take radio underscore rich. And um, what's happening is a lot of people are coming in. They're following a lot of the event pictures, plus all the food pictures I post. So, you know, it's pretty cool getting a different audience there. And we're going to try and be more engaged on social media going forward. Just like I said, trying to do live streams and other things as well. So I figured I'd let you guys know about that. Um, So I want to talk about announcements. Uh, This particular uh, announcement I want to discuss has to do with our contests. Of course, last time. I spoke about contests. I was a little annoyed and upset about what we did with our purge contest because um, the purge contest, they reached out to us. They felt that we had a strong demographic composed of you guys to get the contest off the ground. And the rules were very simple. For those of you that don't remember, it was basically sharing on our Facebook fan page how you would survive the purge. And if it was innovative and original and had a couple of likes, you would win a purge prize pack, which came with like a t-shirt and a flashlight and a whole bunch of other things. But what ended up happening was the shirt was only available in one size, which was a size large. We put that in the rules, but either way we have, um, almost 4,000 fans on Facebook, well over a thousand fans on Twitter, not to mention Google plus, not to mention YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And what happened was when the contest was over, we only had three entries. Now, this is upsetting in a couple of different, you know, from a couple of different points. It's upsetting because we do this stuff for you guys. We get all the merchandise. We get all the giveaways. I don't want to keep shit. Everything I review, everything we do, I just want to give it away because there's no necessity for me to sit on this stuff. I don't need to collect it. I don't need it filling up my house. It's just, that's not how we do it. You know, it's either about, working with great companies and showing you guys great products or giving you guys the stuff that that's, that's really what it's all about. So, um, I got an email from the guys that ran the purge contest and they said to me, they're like, listen, you know, we noticed we didn't get a lot of entries. Um, what happened? So I had to explain to them and, and it was embarrassing for myself. It was embarrassing for, for MTR just because these, this, this company, the studio, they believed in our demographic, they believed in you guys, the listeners. And, um, I had to explain to them that maybe it was because there wasn't, um, a shirt, the shirt wasn't in multiple sizes or they couldn't select the size. It was just a size large and maybe people felt left out. So due to that, it was, we managed to smooth things over, but I'm going to tell you guys, I was extremely pissed off. And, um, you know, if, if we don't put up the show within a day or two, or if our video is off or our audio is off or something's going on, I get emails 
Facebook messages, whatever. Hey, man, what's going on with the show? Uh, did you guys upload the show yet? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the thing that gets me is, you, you know, our audience very quick, very quick to jump on board. Hey, you know, where's our shit? Whatever. Why isn't the show up, et cetera. But to enter a contest, to write a Facebook status, the same way you can share pictures of cats and the tuna sandwich you had earlier in the afternoon and whatever BuzzFeed shit you did for the day. Hey, I took a quiz and I'm Raphael the Ninja Turtle, whatever the fuck it is. Um, you know, it, it, it upsets me that I see so many people partake in all this fuckery, but yet we're giving you stuff. I kid you not. We, we want to give you stuff because I don't need it. I don't need it. And here's a prime example. What you see right here behind me is a pair of monster octagon headphones worn by Ronda Rousey and countless mixed martial artists. As you can see, it is still neatly sealed in the package. This was sent to us by Monster to Review. We're going to be doing the review within the next couple of days, and I am going to give this away. I don't want it. Don't need it. I don't need to wear UFC octagon headphones to the gym. I don't need to wear them anywhere. I am giving them away. And these have an MSRP well over $150, well over. If I, if I tell you guys what the MSRP is, you'll understand. Anyway, I'm giving them away, and we're going to try this again. Once the contest is set up, the rules are going to be very clear. And if you guys participate, great. If you guys don't participate, guess what we're not doing? Giving shit away. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'll either pass it on to the staff or I'll send it back to the companies because I don't need it. This isn't me being elitist or first world problems or or any of that bullshit. It's none of the above. It is the, the fact that we we are a, a company, a brand for you guys, for the people, for the fans, people that are tired of the typical cookie cutter bullshit. And the fact that you guys can't participate in something so simple as a fucking contest on Facebook where... 95% of you live all the time is insane. This also goes into what we did with Patreon. Patreon, of course, is a uh, very cool service that we're using, which allows you to contribute to the growth of the show. And um, one of our listeners, Javon Lewis, was our first Patreon in there. Very easy. Dollar per episode. You donate. It goes towards hosting, goes towards whatever. That's four episodes a month. That's $4 a month, unless we switch to two days a week, in which case it'll go up. But still, four bucks a month, you're, you get a perk of an on-air mention. If you do five bucks a month, you get a credit on the video credits showing all the Patreon subscribers. Again, easy peasy stuff, but you, got, you guys don't want the shit. <laughs> you guys do not want the shit, and it's, it's upsetting. It's, it's irritating, and it gets under my skin, and I didn't... I didn't get too up, wound up about it last week because of other things, but this week I, I got to give you guys the business because, again, I don't want the stuff. I don't need it. It's my job to review it, to share my thoughts on it in an honest and truthful way and give it away or return it to the companies. That's it. That's all we want to do, man. We want to we wanna reward you guys for supporting us. You know, guys like Dark Helmet who uh, promote the show, reshare all the episodes, reshare all the content. You know, guys like Ben who go out there, they write content for the site, they reshare it. 
his friends reshare it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You know, our own staff do what they got to do. And our listeners who are supposed to be super passionate because the numbers tell me that just they shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> you guys shoot yourselves in the foot every week. But like I said, I really wanted to get that off my chest. And, um, you know, I wanted to, like I said, don't think I want to come out here uh, on here. It's been a while since I've, you know, admonished my my listeners. But come on, you guys, you guys fucking kill me. You kill me. I want to give you guys the stuff. I do. You know, it's not it's not fair that we get the stuff and it goes back to the company because they want me to keep it. I don't need, you know, I don't need to keep 20 pairs of headphones. I don't need to keep, you know, X amount of, of stuff. It's just that's not the name of the game. But again, we'll see what happens when we do this giveaway for the UFC monster headphones. And depending on how that goes, we will take it from there. Anyway, let's talk about tonight's topics. Uh, Ben will be joining me to talk about the UFC on Fox event from this weekend. We're also going to talk about a lot of the stuff going on in the WWE. We're also going to get into Raw. We're going to talk some gaming news, which I'm sure Slick is going to want to get involved in because I'm definitely going to need an assist from him this week. We got a lot of entertainment news plus a lot of fallout from Comic-Con. So with that said, let's get into this week's MMA news, shall we? As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by our friends at MMA Warehouse. Make sure to check out their banners on MyTakeRadio.com and throughout the site to get the best MMA gear, uh, training gear, your favorite t-shirts, gloves, rash guards, you name it, they got it. MMAWarehouse.com. I actually am working with them to get you guys a promo code. So if you want any of those really cool UFC shirts you see, including uh, the Chael shirt that he's probably going to be wearing at Metamorris. Uh, which looks really badass. Definitely check them out. MMAWarehouse.com is our sponsor. All right, so Ben's going to be joining me for this because there's a lot going on in the world of MMA this week. I really thought we were going to have a quiet week. We were going to talk about UFC on Fox 12, and that was it. But holy shit, did it get bananas. We're talking fighter signings, guys coming out of retirement, marquee matchups, uh, ridiculous fight cards. It it was it all went down the last couple of days. Like I said, I thought we were gonna have a quiet segment with just us talking about UFC on Fox 12, but I kid you not, it just it just snowballed into ridiculousness. Let me bring Ben on board. Big Ben, what's up? What's up, man? Welcome back, my friend. Of course, prime timing. You coming back with a ton of shit going on this week. And um, I want to get the ball rolling with UFC on Fox 12 because, man, oh, man, a Fox card that actually delivered. I mean, we, we you and I have complained about oversaturation in the sport and, and a really crazy amount of cards that just fell through the cracks. But this card, before we get into the individual fights, what would you think of the card as a whole? Uh, the card overall was pretty good. Um, I, I missed, like, I think the one of the first couple fights, but... From from the from the part I saw, probably the second fight on uh, that Shawway fight. What was that, Ben? You cut out. 
good. Um, it's it's probably like probably the second best card I've seen this year. I mean, July July had some great MMA cards. Yeah, they had they had some crazy cards. Some crazy things came together. And um, I want to I want to first thing I want to talk about is Patrick Cummins, of course, coming in after that really lopsided loss to Daniel Cormier, just taking it to Kyle Kingsbury in a very very entertaining match. Um, Kyle Kingsbury, I don't know, maybe he just lost a step, but he was he definitely was taken to school by Patrick Cummins and and his really really strong wrestling background. Uh, Cummins definitely looked a little winded. But I think he was just trying to go in there for the finish and have a good showing. What'd you think of the fight? Uh, it was it was incredibly one sided. I was kind of surprised they gave uh, that fight to um, <clears throat> uh, Patrick, um, not Patrick, Kyle Kingsbury, um, just because Kyle Kingsbury hadn't fought in like two years because right. Letner was attached for a while. Yep. Uh, but uh, Pat Cummins is a elite wrestler. I mean. This, He's a really, really good wrestler, and he he came in and just dummied uh, Kyle Kingsbury the whole fight. I yep. I, I kind of agreed with uh, Joe Rogan though in the fact that he should have finished him. Yep. Um, I mean he dominated the fight, but I, I feel like he should have finished him or at least tried harder to finish him. Definitely. But he did what he was supposed to do. He looked good. He definitely looked impressive in the fight. The thing that got me was the fact that everybody was was talking about all oh, Patrick Cummins he's got to come in there make a statement or else he's going to get fucking fired and that's the easy assessment but look the guy took the fight with Daniel Cormier on you know weeks notice practically so the guy deserves a legitimate opportunity and he got it and he delivered I mean he he had one fight after the fight with um with uh Right, Cormier. I forget who he fought, but he fought again. Yeah, he I had... mean, the Cormier fight, to be perfectly honest, was a <laughs> fight he was going to lose. There was, yep. there was no way he was going to win that fight. Nope. Unless he landed the best punch of his life. So, yep. Um, it happens like that. He's a prospect. He'll he'll be good um, in the um, light heavyweight division, and uh, with that wrestling, he'll he'll make might be just be great. He definitely is. I mean. I wanna I wanna definitely talk about uh Darren Kirkshank and Jorge Masvidal because as soon as that fight started, Darren Kirkshank caught Masvidal. He dropped him flushed with a nasty right. I thought it was gonna end like that, just academic. And it was a tremendous, tremendous showing by both guys in that fight. Yeah, it was. Um to me though, Masvidal uh had uh, a really, really great fight. Um, to get dropped like that <clears throat> and then to basically win every other minute of the fight, yep. it, it was impressive. Like, he, at no point after that fight he was losing, he was able to take him down. He was able to uh, keep him down, work a dart choke. He he looked really good after getting knocked down with that flush shot. Yeah, well, you got to look at it this way, too. Darren Crookshank's striking is ridiculous. He has some really solid technique. Those kicks he were throw he was throwing with dynamite. He, it almost felt like I was watching Kung Lee fight. Yeah, I mean he 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 can strike. Um, yep. he, he needs to show up his his wrestling game. It, it, if if people are able to take him down, they're yep. normally able to beat him. And if 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 that's the only if the only thing he can do is strike with you, especially in the lightweight division, they're just going to take you down. Absolutely, and and and. That was really exposed in that fight. I really noticed. I said, I said, fuck, the, the, he, he just got exposed because 
not to say that Masvidal's wrestling is shit, but think about it. It's like Masvidal's bread and butter is nasty striking. And he was putting in the work, getting him on the ground. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah, he was he was able to to show like I mean Masvidal is one of the more well-rounded fighters in, right. in the lightweight division, and he was able to show it. Like you can't be a one-trick pony, especially a lightweight, because some they will find that weakness and exploit it. Yep, too many too many hitters in that division. Speaking of uh, opening opening card on Fox, man, Bobby Green, Josh Thompson, um, a lot of posturing in that fight. I really liked Bobby Green's. Uh, I almost felt like he had that bona fide star look like we were talking about with Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? Like Green looks like yeah. the next dude that he's going to break out as a as a star that people are going to want to see. You know, he had really nice hands, good hands, good footwork. Mm. Uh, Thompson definitely didn't look like a slouch in that fight. But it was funny because, you know, Thompson was like, oh, I'm about to get fucked. And everybody was talking about that. And you know what it was? They spent a lot of time doing the Nick Diaz, you go, no, you go, you know, too much smiling and winking and, and you know what I mean? And bullshitting. And I think that's, that kind of bit them in the ass, the both guys. I mean, I think the fight could have been better. Not that the fight was bad. Right. I think the fight could have been better. Uh, but for me, um, I, I thought that Bobby Green won. I thought he was landing the cleaner, harder offense. Um, and it, it, Josh Thompson could have won the fight. Josh Thompson, for some reason, decided he wasn't going to try to take him down. But at right. one time, I think if he had tried to mix it up his striking some more, I think he could have done uh, probably done a better job in the fight. I don't think, but I don't think he got fucked as he said. Yeah, well, that's the thing that got me. I just felt that he he really like I too much posturing. I mean, I like I like the showmanship. I like the the one upsmanship. You know, I like the the entire time they were fighting. They were. There was there was a lot of talking, and the problem with that is that if you're gonna talk like that, you better be swinging for the fences, because when Nick Diaz, like the problem is, too many people watch too much tape of guys like Nick Diaz or guys like Chael, and they think that they can just emulate that, and that's all that it takes. It's like in order for you to become a star, it's it's you know 85% performance and then 15% presentation. Yeah, I mean uh, that. I mean, Bob Green does that every single fight. I, right. I, just, I think Josh Thompson just fell into the game with Bob yep. Green, where he was like, "Well, I'm a, I have, I have to do it back," and that's not your game. Nope. So nope. that's not something you should have. I'm not gonna lie when doing. I, I'm not gonna lie when I saw Bobby Green fighting, I felt like I was watching hood fights. Remember the old days when dudes were fighting the '90s and be like, <laughs> you know, like like I thought it was some shit like that. I'm like, yo, am I watching a fight on Jamaica Avenue? Here in New York City, like what the fuck is going? On? <laughs> like it was, it felt if it, it was hood, but it was too hood. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, come on. I, I like it. Like I understand, you know, and it, and it was funny to me. But I also looked at it and I said, dude, you pull that with any other dude that's in there for no bullshit, you're getting put to sleep. Yeah, I mean that's that's his style of fighting though. Like I. I I mean, I don't think Bobby Green is going to be like a champion. I think he, there's too many holes in his game. But, oh, okay. Um, he can beat a lot of people, and doing just that, talking shit as he's beating you. I was, I just felt like I said when I when I saw it, I was like, all right, you're really trying to do some street fight shit, which is which is all right, you know, whatever to each his own. But it felt like it took away from a fight where both guys had really good technique. You know what I mean? Too much posturing. Too much, too much trying to size. It's like, yo, go in there, 
either take the fight to the ground and get some submissions or 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 keep it standing and keep it moving. But it's like every time he missed a, a kick, it was like, yo, you got that. Nah, you didn't get that. It's like, yo, really? Do I do I need this for, for, for 15 minutes? Yeah, I mean, the, be- the best way to stop him from doing that, though, is you got to shut him up. That's it. He ain't going to stop talking. Nope, you got to shut him up. And and like you said, Thompson wasn't doing it. It's like, dude, you're, it's not like your ground game is garbage. <laughs> you know, let's not yeah, kid ourselves. Like he, probably, gar- he probably should have tried to take him down, but for some reason he just decided he wasn't going to. Yep. So, Dennis Bermudez, Clay Guida, awesome fight. Clay Guida, of course, human human ping pong ball. Um, very, very exciting fight. Clay Guida getting finished by submission, man. It was crazy. What'd you think? I thought Dennis Bermudez looked good. Uh, he's on a seven fight win streak now. Now, mind you, it doesn't, he hasn't really beat anyone that great in right. a seven fight win streak, but he's still on a seven fight win streak. Right. MMA man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, I, I was impressed by him. Um, I, th- I thought he did a really good job. He was light. He was lighting Clay Guida up before he even got the finish. Yep. Uh, the finish. The finish was basically just uh, academic. Like he he was going to get the finish. He he looked good. Um, I think this Ramirez has improved a lot, and I think Clay Guida. Not that I, was, I don't know if he's lost a step per se, but he's not as good as he used to be. I think what's happening with Clay Guida is people are figuring out that this guy has you know untapped energy it's just energy for days so what guys are doing is they're just training their cardio and then if their game is already tight from a striking standpoint they're just going to go in there and try and set it up use the striking to set it up and they're and they know they're going to be able to get a submission and if they tried like clay guida's chin definitely still one of the one of the better chins in the sport but people are figuring out hey i'll outpace the guy i'll get him to the ground and then i'll catch him yeah, I think the only person that actually like stopped with strikes is uh, Chad Mendes. And Chad Mendes at one forty-five might be the second hardest hitter at one forty-five. I mean, that dude. Yep. He hits you and it's a wrap. So, um, yeah, his chin's still good, but I, I think Quayle has probably lost a step or two. Um, I, I just think, like like you said, like you can out technique him now. Yep. And it, it's um, and it's it's hurting him. It was it was crazy, and the thing that gets me is I I, I like watching Clay Guida fight. He's a great personality. The crowd really gets into his fights. He's engaging. He's exciting. But it's like, dude, you might need to change camps. You know, maybe it's too much too maybe, much Greg Jackson game I mean, plan. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's Clay. Uh, I don't think it's Greg Jackson's fault. His problems. I think it's his athletic. Um, not disability, athletic, uh, lot. his uh, athleticism, like he, he's lacking what he had at 155. Like at 145, dudes are faster. Yep. They, they, you're not going to be able to basically just pace dudes at 145. That's just not happening. No, you can't. I mean, most of those guys at 145 are, are machines, you know? These are guys that fly around like this, you know? Blink of an eye, they're just going to work. So... I can I can definitely understand what you're saying. I mean, it's going to be interesting because it's like with the UFC cut a guy like that. I mean, he definitely has gatekeeper status. No, I don't think he'll get cut. I mean, this. I mean, he just he won his last fight against Cavalieri. I think he. I I think he'll stay around and be a gatekeeper. I think I think that's really all Clay Guida is good for right now is just purely just gatekeeper status. 
Well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about what was pretty much a bona fide crime scene, a mugging, a, a, a just an unbelievable display of, of, of power from Anthony Rumble Johnson, pretty much separating little Nog from his conscience. Dude, from his, he hit him so hard that you literally could see his soul fly out of his body because his head popped up like a rock'em sock'em robot. I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. Call, call the paramedics. He's dead. <laughs> It's crazy to think that this dude used a fighter 170. Like, it's absolutely insane. It's insane. This same dude was hitting dudes at 170 pounds. And putting putting him to sleep at 172. That's not even the thing. It was like he he was hitting him at 170 and killing him at 170 also. Yeah, like, it's insane. Like, that power just didn't go anywhere. Like, you you would... Ben, you cut off a little bit. Nope. Ben, you still there? You hear? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, you 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 went quiet a little bit. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's insane that his power has uh basically came up a weight class with him and gotten it seems that he hits harder now. Um he looks good. I mean Little Nog Little Nog, I, I don't know what to say really about Little Nog's <laughs> place in the sport now. Um I I I don't know how you can uh, what you can get from the site for him. It's uh, crazy. But as far as with Anthony Johnson, Anthony Johnson is he's on his way. Um, I think he's going to end up um, really pushing to get a top ten uh, a, a top ten opponent. And I mean, I don't know who they give him yet, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing who he fights next. I'll be honest. I would have given him. I would have given him Glover Teixeira next, mm-hmm. and then go from there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can see Glover Teixeira. I mean, you know, they like to do winners with winners, losers with losers, but I can right. see Glover Teixeira. Um, I'm thinking pr- that he'll probably end up getting like the Oban St. Peru, um, Ryan Bader winner, which seems like a step down for him really yeah. with those guys, but no disrespect um, to them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, really at one, uh, at two Oh five, there's really not a whole bunch of places you can go with him right now. I mean, you know, he's not the only other crazy thing. And, you know, this would be some Dana White, John Jones level craziness. And this would be John Jones. Let's say he beats Daniel Cormier and then he goes and mm-hmm. they go, well, you got to fight Gustafson. And he goes, yeah, well, I think Gustafson should fight Rumble. And then the winner fights me, you know, like some real over the top bullshit on the low <laughs> I honestly wouldn't mind seeing that. Fight. Of course now, I don't not. know if it would happen. Of course I not. I have a feeling Gustafson is going to get a title shot as soon as he comes back. Like, of course, but no matter but, who beat with the um, Cormier, um, <clears throat> excuse me, John Jones fight. But um, say John Jones gets hurt or or Cormier gets hurt, um, it would not surprise me if they're like, okay, well, you two got to fight each other. Yep. Well, you know what's funny? Rashad Rashad Evans was saying in an interview, he was like, "Yo, I'm not going to fall for that shit again." about fighting my teammate. I'm not going to do it. Blah blah blah. I'll take another, another I'll take another path. Excuse me. And it got the me last thinking. Time you he kind of called the bullshit, but Yeah. Well, that that was part of it, but I I'm going to I'm going to point put that out there. If Rashad Evans and you know, Anthony Rumble Johnson are in the same weight class, both guys are in there. 
Do you think that Rashad is doing the right thing by sort of saying, listen, I'm not going to step in his way? I kind of feel like he is, mostly because uh, I, I feel like Rashad has kind of accepted his place and mm-hmm. he's coming towards the end of his career. Yep. With the I, stuff what you're hearing from like the him him uh talking to the WWE yep. kind of uh kind of set himself up for okay, like my future I, I've gotta stop figuring out something. Right. Um which is fine. I, I think that's a good thing for him. And I kinda feel like he's just like I'm not gonna stand in rumbled way because this is a young guy who still has his whole um career ahead of him. So you know, why, why, why step in his way? Well, it's crazy that The Rock was like, yo, Anthony Rumble Johnson's going to be that dude. Like, you know, that's a crazy endorsement, <laughs> you know, to hear that. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's that's pretty cool. And, I mean, you know, I've always liked Rumble Johnson. The dude comes in there, he he leaves it in there every time. Um, the thing that gets me is, like, in 205, it, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of fights that, that you can kind of go through. And, like you said, like the OSP... Bader fight, the winner of that taking on Johnson feels like a step down because every one of those guys that we talk about, when we talk about like Gustafson, Cormier, Teixeira, you know what I mean? We talk about these guys, they're all like top five guys, you know? And it almost feels like it's a revolving mm-hmm. door of that same crop of dudes fighting. So it, it's crazy because it's those guys and then everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what they do with them. Um, I kind of feel like he'll probably get like like we said, the OSP, um, Bader winner. I mean, because there's nothing else that really makes sense right now. Who isn't already tied up? Well, they were saying that yeah, that Glover probably was going to get Mister Wonderful, and I said yeah, yeah that's going to be a snooze fest. No disrespect to either one of those guys, but there's no promotion. You know what I mean? Neither dude's going to really go out there and try to sell the fight. Nah, not really. No, I mean that's. That's not really their style. I mean, well, Phil Davis might a little bit, but Phil Davis has some uh, reclamation to do with his uh, <laughs> his confidence to do after that Rumble fight. Yeah. So let's talk about the big one, man. The immortal Matt Brown, Robbie Lawler. Holy shit. Those guys, and we were, we were joking about it a couple of weeks back, and we were like, yo, it's going to be a crazy display of violence, and somebody somebody's going to sleep. And the crazy thing is that Matt Brown's toughness in that fight was just without question. Like there were points where Robbie Lawler was like Robbie Lawler was hitting him to the point like where Ivan Drago was hitting Rocky with the overhand right and Rocky was just like, come on, give me another one. Like that was Matt Brown. Like it was sheer heart that he was eating a lot of those shots. Yeah, um Matt Brown Matt Brown did what he was supposed to do, uh, to, to stay in the fight. He kind of the thing with Matt Brown is I think he got not not so much exposed, but his ceiling was shown. Right. Um, Matt Brown is a tough, gritty, come-forward type of fighter. Yep. And like I said before the fight, the moment that you make him stop being able to come forward, the fight is completely different. The moment that you, the moment that he has a fight backwards, he's a completely different fighter. And Robbie Lawler, Lawler really early in the fight, cracked him a couple times when when Matt Brown tried to come forward. Yep. And that changed the way he was fighting completely. Yep. Um, in fact, it happened in like the first couple seconds. He had to like respect them to hands. Like yeah. Forward, he got cracked. Yep. He had to respect them yeah. hands. When I saw it, I was like, I'm like, oh, okay, then this is how it's gonna be the rest of the fight. 
yeah, as soon as that happens, that that was more, I mean, not the fight, but that was more or less just basically how the fight was going to have to go from that, that point on because Matt Brown is not good at fighting backwards. Now, he did have his moments. He caught Robbie Lawler really good with a right hand mm-hmm. uh, in the first round. He, he clearly won the second round, had some moments in the fifth round, but Robbie Lawler, for the most part, was able to basically just out-technical him. Uh, Robbie Lawler has gotten a whole lot better at just being a better striker. Well, you know what was funny in the fourth round when Lawler caught that kick, I was like, I was like, well, all right, he 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 just held his kick. Like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Like, it's like one of those those instructional things in martial arts class where they, they, your sensei would say, throw the kick, he'd catch your leg, and he'd be like, now what? Like that was exactly what it looked like. I was like, well, okay, this is this is where we're going. Yeah, I mean he. He he looked good. I mean, Robbie Lawler looked really good. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Johnny Hendricks rematch. Absolutely. Um, and for Matt Brown, I'm I'm looking forward to whoever they put that Matt Brown in there with next. I I, I kind of would love to still see that Carlos Condit fight if Carlos Condit comes back healthy. Yep. Um, I would really really like that fight. Um, yeah, I think that would yeah, be a, Brown, a good fight. I mean, Matt Brown hit his ceiling. He hit his ceiling, and I also feel that in Matt Brown's case, he he as much as people aren't going to admit it. Matt Brown also, it was like, yo, you are this close to a title fight, this close. You know what I mean? Like, it messes with your head. Like, yo, I just got to put this dude away. I just got to put this dude away. And then, like, one of the guys at my job was like, it kind of just boiled down to who wanted it more. Like, Robbie Lawler clearly wanted it more just because he was he, he was running on all cylinders that fight. Yeah. And Robbie and and Robbie Lawler feels like he can clearly be Johnny Hendricks, which I think he could can. That I think first so. fight came down to the f- fifth round, yep. like a takedown in the fifth round. Yep. That's that's what that fight came down to. So I think he can be Johnny Hendricks, and and I'm really interested to see how that fight goes. One seventy is so crazy right now because there's so many there's so many dudes that we could look at and be like, yep, that guy could that guy could be champ. Yep, he could be champ too. Like it's not, and this was what we were talking about a few weeks back about like it's not like the field is so um divided where it's like champions and then challengers down like three levels now it's like champion and challengers are pretty pretty damn close yeah um uh, that's how that's what i was saying the same thing with 185 like you you can see like it it was fun when anderson silver and gsp were running the divisions but now it's it's a different kind of fun because now you can see how titles can change hands and it makes makes fights a little bit more interesting. It definitely makes them interesting, and not only that, it's also really messing with odds makers. Like odds makers aren't just like, oh, this guy's you know plus five hundred favorite anymore. It's like, oh, and you know it, it fluctuates back and forth. But it was a great card from start to finish. They also teased, of course, the next season of the Ultimate Fighter, which was a nice uh, nice little way to do it. You know, teasing the title opportunities there. Um, overall, a great Fox card, and I think the UFC really needed it. Yeah, they 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 did. I mean, well, July has been a really, really, really good month. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> for them, I mean, the the cards in July with the Conor McGregor fight, the um, all all the different um, excuse me, all the different fights, the Conor McGregor fight, the the Donald Cerrone fight. It, this has been a really, really good month of MMA for them. Absolutely. It's been, it's been tremendous. I mean, like, you know, though every, the guys that got their performance bonuses, you know, the 50 K all with, with great reason, you know, Bermuda's got it for, for the submission on Guida. Johnson got it for the KO Brown and Lawler got it because 
it was just an amazing fight. And that's what you like to see. Like when you see the dudes that got the bonuses, you go, yeah, he, he deserved that. Like it was, it was really good. And it was funny because on Friday I, I had watched the Bellator card and I'm like half of this card just, just didn't feel worthy of being on TV. Like that Carl Parisian Phil Baroni fight, man, that shit didn't need to happen. And I like Phil Baroni a lot. But I was like, I don't need to see that kind of a mugging, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Bellator, I feel like, is is it's got a little bit of ways to go before it's it's to the level they need to be. Yep. I think they're 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 doing some things to try to make the product better. Right. Uh but right now, like you said, like half their cards don't really belong to like the Phil Baroni Carp region fight, like that didn't need to they either didn't need to happen at all or it just didn't need to be on my television <laughs> that's exactly that fight would have been the fight to watch dude like five years ago maybe seven years ago when those dudes were were hitters like <laughs> you know like phil baroni's coming out there and, and that's the thing phil baroni's such an entertainer that you 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 feel good watching him come out there and carl parisian he's probably he's probably a cool dude but i just i just want to see him get punched in the face because <laughs> I just, I just, he has that look like, like he just needs to get his ass whooped. And that's the kind of craziness that you look at. You're like, eh, you know, and when you see that fight, you're like, why is this fight on my television? As soon as it went down, I was like, Did that just happened. And I felt bad. I felt bad yeah, for both I mean, dudes. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I saw the fight and I was like, uh, even when, I, <laughs> when I saw the fight was, was, was being created, I was like, this is not gonna go good. Nope. Not gonna go good. Well, I want I want to talk about, you know, speaking of other promotions, the signing of Henry Cajudo, um, debuting at uh UFC one seventy seven. He's supposed to be taking on Scott Jorgensen. Now, you know, Henry Cajudo, um Olympic gold medalist, six and MMA record, pulled out of the main event for Legacy Fighting Championships thirty four and um you know, a lot of people were, were kind of bent out of shape by the way that that was done. I mean, this dude's an incredible prospect, incredible prospect on all sides. But it's, you know, the, the business, the business dealings, man, sometimes they just leave a leave a sour taste, man. I was like, all right, you know, you were going to fight gonna be in a, in a main event. And you're like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, they they know it. So a lot of those yep. promotions, they know it. So if you money's money, call, I know they know they're gonna lose a fighter. Yeah, money's so, money. It just felt um, weird, you know. Yeah, they. I mean, they. I'm I'm sure he let them know. Like I'm sure it wasn't just, hey, uh, not coming to fight, and <laughs> they didn't know why. So I'm sure he let them know. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how Henry Cajudo does. Um, only because I've seen some of his fights. And since he won his gold medal, he's kind of been like a head case. Yeah. And I don't know how well he's going to translate to the UFC. Like, he's a world-class athlete. Like, this dude can wrestle. Yep. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think he'll beat Scott Jorgensen, but I don't know how far he'll go at 125 because that's not the only thing, especially at 125. Like, nope. you can't just go up against Demetrius Johnson just being able to wrestle or John Dotson or Ian McCall. Like, these dudes can all wrestle. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad so, you bring we'll, we'll them see. up. I'm glad you bring them up, and I'll and I'll tell you why in a second. Go ahead, finish your, state your case. Oh, but we'll see what he does, like how he develops. But I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe getting in the UFC helps his development. But I, I, I'm I'm interested to see what what happens with him. 
Well, the thing the thing that gets me, and, and there was a, a really crazy debate going on, and it kind of went into Twitter. I saw it on Reddit, and they were talking about how that division. It's like, yeah, you know, all those division. That division is great, and there's a lot of talent, but you wouldn't know it because these guys aren't going out there, and the UFC is really not giving them their due. In other words, they're saying like a guy like Demetrius Johnson has to go out there, and he has to wow you with his skill to be put on notice instead of the promotion trying to put him on the map. I mean, does that make sense to you? The, the thing with Demetrius Johnson, you're, you're, he doesn't promote himself. I mean, he, he fights. I mean, that's what he right. does. He, he goes out there and fights. But the the thing with, with sub-155ers are you have to either be extremely dominant or extremely interesting. Right. Like, it's just, it's just how it is. Like, because you have the... To be perfectly honest, you have ignorant people who look at a one twenty five and be like, "Oh, I can beat him up." Like, no, you can't. No, you can't. Kill you. <laughs> but like, grown men who literally think they can beat up a dude because he's five three, one hundred twenty five pounds. Like, so the the allure that you get when you see a Cain Velasquez, you don't get the same when you see a Demetrius Johnson. Right. So they got to do a better job. I really think the UFC and Demetrius Johnson. I think both need to do a better job of promoting themselves, of promoting him because this is a really good fighter who's really not getting the shine that he deserves. I mean, he's fighting Chris Carriasso, which is a ridiculously stupid fight. Yeah, well. <laughs> like, there's no reason that fight should be happening. I think that's partly because they don't have... They don't, they're they just throwing they're just throwing things at a wall and seeing if, they're, if they stick. In other words, it's like, oh, you got a five-fight win streak? Yeah, all right, you get a title shot. You notice the MMA math doesn't apply the same way in that division. You know, like... In the other divisions, you try and put together yeah. money fights. You try to put together fights that will get people hype. In that in that weight class, it's like, all right, you won four fights. You get a title shot. It's like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> he didn't even win four fights. I think Chris Chiaffo is one and two of the last couple of fights. Like, I would have liked to see them. If they, if you're going to just give the random a random title shot, give it to Kyoji Haraguchi. Give it, give it to someone who actually is winning. Yep. Like, consistently <laughs> Like, I mean, not not that Chris Carriasso is a bad fighter, but he's going to get steamrolled. Well, you know what it is? I said, and, I said, give the fight to Uncle Creepy. And I said, all right, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a good fight from a promotional standpoint. But again, that fight's not the fight they're going to want to do. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think they want to give the Ian McCall fight up. I think that's kind of like a Trump card. Right? You, right. you don't want to give that fight. You don't want to throw away that fight. Right. Like, same thing with a fight with... Um, uh, hands on, uh, crap, his name. Who's fighting Ian McCall? Who's fighting, who Ian McCall fighting next? Ah, for some reason, I can't think of his name. Um, um I don't have, I don't have it in front of me. Wait, I, I, do I have it in here in the notes? No, I, mm. Hands of Stone. His nickname is Hands of Stone. What is his name? <laughs> I have oh, every man. fight, he, I have every fight here except that one. Uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Oh man, that that's really frustrating. But like someone like him, um, Ian McCall, and you wanna you want those fights to be fights that mean more, right? Um, you don't want to just give those fights away yet. Like you you want <clears throat> you don't want like okay, well we're we're gonna just give you this fight. That's just not something they want to do right now. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I understand that, but I don't know. I feel sorry for Demetri Johnson. He's He's just getting given a fight that he he's going to win. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's crazy. You know what it is? And and here's the other thing. Uh, you know, we're, in regards to self-promotion, so I found out that the, the Ultimate Fighter Latin America is going to be airing 
get this on Fox Deportes in Spanish and then on mm-hmm. Fight Pass with English subtitles. <laughs> I kid you okay. not. <laughs> That's how it's going to go. It's going to air in Spanish in the U.S. and then it's going to be on Fight Pass mm-hmm. with English subtitles. And I'm like, uh, okay. I understand you want to get people to watch, you know, Fox Sports 1 in Spanish, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So and it the, starts okay, in a few so weeks. It's going it, to be in Spanish and uh, I, <laughs> I guess that works. <laughs> Like I, I guess I understand why they're doing it. Um, right. I don't know. It doesn't. They need to do a better job. Yeah. Well. Well. Here's <laughs> how. Honest, like, they yeah. took they took the two guys that have the least charisma, mm-hmm. put them on the channel that most people don't even know they got, and that's it. <laughs> that's really it. Take the two dudes that have zero charisma. I mean, I like Kane. He's an incredible athlete. He's a cool dude, but it's like, are you excited for this fight? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like zero emotion, dude, just straight stone face. I mean, that that's Kane. Like, yep. I mean, that's Kane. That's Kane. Like they know who Kane is. Like, it's not like he, he pretends to be any type of different person. Nope. Like he, he has no charisma whatsoever. That's just him. Right, but he can't uh, sell shit. <laughs> That's the problem the too. Is, um, so what? He can't sell shit though. That's the problem. It's like, yo, he's this dominant yeah, ass like, dude. That's another fighter that they have to sell. Like, you can't yep. leave it up to him to sell himself because he's not going to. Mexican Corbin Dallas. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, like you, you can't leave it up to him to sell himself. Like, oh, by the way, that fighter is John Lineker. I. Don't have no idea why I couldn't leave his name, John Lineker. Um, but yeah, you can't uh, you can't leave it up to him to sell himself. Like there's certain fighters that you just have to, you have to build. You have to build your promotion around them, and you can't you can't leave it up to just them because they they're just not built for that. That's not just that's just not what they do. Well, here's here's a funny thing. Remember remember Roger Huerta and how much the UFC was going ham trying to get this dude over, and they didn't even have to do much. It's like yo. They probably wishing that Roger Huerta was still relevant, so they could put him out there because they're like, "Damn, we can't do shit with Kane." <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they've wanted the same thing with uh, El Goito. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Heard, yeah, I don't name. know his name. Eric Perez. Uh, yeah, they want him to be good so bad, and <laughs> he's not. <laughs> it's, like they they want a Mexican superstar, and there's nothing wrong with that. You have Kane, but Kane ain't built to be the poster boy. Nope. Kane just want to hurt people. Like that's all Kane want to do. So y'all got to figure out how to make him look good. But just let him fight. Kane just want to hurt people. Well, you know it's funny. The the self promotion with these guys, like like as we go down the division, like I found out that that Aldo and, and Mendes are finally gonna fight, and they're fighting mm-hmm. in Brazil. And, you know, Chad Mendes, you know he's going to be pissing vinegar about it. Like, yo, what the fuck? But then I realized, I'm like, yo, Chad Mendes, you a, you a good fighter. But you fighting in Brazil is probably going to get them a fuckload of money. Like, no disrespect to you. Yeah. Like, people want to see you fight here, and, the, and they will see you fight here. But, dude, in Brazil, it's like Dana's not stupid. 
like 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 everybody's like oh man see the favoritism jose aldo's fighting in brazil no jose aldo's fighting where there's money that and jose aldo's the champion yep he's on a seven or eight fight win streak yep like <laughs> i don't see how chad mendez thinks he can make any sort of demands of where they fight yeah he's talking about <laughs> drug testing he's talking about all this crazy shit and it's just like dude how about like like you want to promote the fight and i mean they're doing a tremendous job promoting and just talking shit about drug testing and all this and all that, but it's just like, dude, you wanna you wanna be known as that guy. You gotta go out there and take that dude's belt. <laughs> That's it. You gotta break him. Otherwise, yeah. it's not gonna mean shit. So what? You fighting in Brazil? Yeah, if you you're gonna go get paid. In California. Yeah, if you wanna fight in California, win the belt, and then you can fight in California. There you go. Like, <laughs> so it's that simple. Like I, I don't. No, you're right. I don't agree with him bitching, but yeah. yeah well, I, I was gonna say after after that Fox uh, UFC on Fox 12 press conference, Dana White, they you know he was all pretty much guaranteeing Gina Carano would be locked up by the end of the week, and they're like, oh, what's up with that Gina Carano situation? He's like, uh, yeah, shit's a little complicated. <laughs> He's like, I'm trying to get the shit I mean, done. Shit is complicated. They're gonna have to give Gina Carano a lot of money, a boatload of cash for this one fight. Because she ain't fighting more than once. <laughs> and you probably don't have to do that shit at like 145 or yep. shit. Might have to do that shit at 150. <laughs> you might have to do it at 150. She, she probably, yeah, she probably ain't going to cut that much weight. Nope. She probably, she knows she's going to lose. So she's, she, she's going to try to get as much money out of this as possible, which I don't blame her at all for doing. Yeah, she that got four said, fights on her I contract. It's stupid that this fight even happening in the first place. Well, yeah, well, here's here's a couple of things. She got four fights on her strike force contract, and supposedly Dana White's been dealing with her lawyer, not management, but a lawyer, which, you know, we've talked about that. And um, the thing that gets me is this. You got Ronda Rousey, she's your champion, and I'm going to be I'm going to be straight when I tell everybody, Ronda Rousey's shelf life is very limited, not because of her skills as a fighter, but because of her mainstream appeal, and before you know it, she's going to leave to to seek out opportunities elsewhere where she doesn't have to worry about training camps getting punched in the face or you know cysts in her hands or any of that shit she could sit back right now open up a school and be paid for life like that's that more crappy movies you know or 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 you know do the like she's she's in the expendable she's an entourage all she's got to do is if her acting in the expendables is is remotely solid you know she's she's golden at that point those are the facts. Yeah, so, I don't know. It, it, I don't. I, I don't really agree with them trying to sign her. Like, I, I just feel like it's a it's a shameless money grab. Which it is. I mean, but you know what it is. Too. What other what other well, money grab do you got in that division other than Holly and not to cut you off? Other than Holly and Cyborg, what other cash grab do you really got? Let's. I mean, no disrespect, but Cad Zingano. MMA math dictates you should be fighting next. You should be getting that opportunity next. But are you going to make the same kind of a payday? Nah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you that it makes sense for um, this as a payday. But I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like you're kind of shortchanging your other women in the division. Of course. Also, deserve a shot because Gina Colano is going to come in and lose. Like it, I feel like it's just, it's just a wasted fight. But I mean, if it's they, they're they're treating it the same as money grab. Now him saying it's complicated to sign her, um, 
is, of course. Yep. <laughs> like, they're going to try to take, get as much money as possible. Well, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. Say the fight is done at a catchweight, no belt, just straight catchweight, and Gina Carano wins. <laughs> what the fuck do you do then? <laughs> Does she win and I, retire? It's... <laughs> I mean, I think this is a one-off. Like, I, I think she might win and retire. Like, I, I don't think Gina Carano has any intention of making that a career again. Like, so I, I think even by the off chance she wins, she'll just win and just retire. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see, I see Jay going. Can we go one week without talking about Rousey? Dude, she is the champion of the fucking sport. The fuck wrong with you? <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, the way I see it is, it's it's a big money grab. Dana's shooting for December 6th. And, of course, this is because we got to talk about the January fight, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. But, you know, he wants to close out 2014 with that. And I'll be honest, if there's any other fight to close out the year and that's your main event, dude, everybody's going to buy that. Everybody's going to yeah, buy I that mean, fight because be that's, you know, that, that's going to be a big deal promotional st- from a promotional standpoint. Rousey may start talking a little shit just to, to kind of get it going. Gina Carano's a bit of a head case too. You know, both chicks got Hollywood money. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, so I mean I'm I'm if the fight happens, I'll watch it. I mean that that's you know Will that be thing, but Will that be sixty dollars or Buffalo Wild Wings? <laughs> uh, that'll be a Buffalo Wild Wings. I, I'm not I'm not paying for the fight that I know what the, the <laughs> So, the result's going to be? That's it. A BWW or a $60. That's how it's going to be from now on. That's how we're going to rate fights. Buffalo Wild Wings or, or dollar signs. <laughs> Pretty much. Dude, I, I tell you this. I was really upset when I found out that Bisping and Kung Lee is going to be on fucking Fight Pass, dude. Like, that card is legit. The UFC China Featherweight Finale. Yeah, T Wood and Stun Gun. I'm like, yo, what is happening? Hell, your last next, you know, your last next fight is gonna be on Fight Pass. Like they're putting they're putting a lot into Fight Pass, and I kind of feel like Fight Pass is gonna eventually just um be what Fox Sports One is for them. Right. They're just not gonna have anything on Fox Sports One at some point. Yep. Like it's getting crazy. Like 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 it's funny you bring up the, the Uriah Faber fight because that card you know that Fight Night Fifty Two card, the same thing. It's like it's take it's going down in Japan. You got Mark Hunt and Roy Nelson. How is that not on TV here? Like all three, all four of those um, fights: Mark Hunt and Nelson, Rin Nakai and Misha Tate, uh, Gomi and the Fireball Kid, Faber and Kanahara. It's like yo, those fights need to be seen here. Like that Mark Hunt Roy Nelson fight, dude, is just it's just a bloodbath in the making. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm it's 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 weird seeing what they're they're putting on Fight Pass and what they're not. Um, <clears throat> hell, I even think the Conor McGregor card should have been shown over here. To be perfectly yep. honest. Yep. I'll tell you what though, UFC um, 178 is going to be the payday card. <laughs> oh, 178 is going to be if, if everything goes the way they they're saying that all the fights that they're trying to get on 178 actually occur. Yep. That's going to be the best card of the year. Dude, Masvidal and Bobby Green got announced, and we you know, we were talking about both those guys early, and it's just like, yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be some shit talking in that fight, too. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that that that, that that's not <laughs> even the best lightweight fight they're talking about gonna be on that card. So. Yep. And I think Dominic Cruz's return is big news. I mean, Takei Misagaki might take his lunch money, and Amanda Nunes, Katsingano are selling their fight pretty good. And of course, Conor McGregor is just gonna sell the shit out of that fight. He better win with all the selling he's yep. doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a fight that Conor McGregor can definitely win. I think it's a step up in competition. Yep. But Dustin Poirier is so bad defensively that I think Conor McGregor could probably tool him up uh, pretty easily because. I mean, D- Dustin Poirier can fight, but he just doesn't defend himself. Nope. At all. Nope. You're right. <laughs> and that's not what you want to do against Conor McGregor. Well, in in regards to fights that to fight cards that have been put together, and that and that fight card is is very solid. We got a fight card, and before I get into this, it's not every week that we have a what the fuck MMA news story. And this week's news story involves one Joe Riggs. Joe Riggs was in Bellator. He won the Bellator version of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he was on a on a solid win streak. Uh, he was going to come back to the UFC. Something happened previously. He couldn't fight, so he was supposed to take place. His fight next fight was supposed to take place uh, UFC Fight Night 51, September 13th. This guy decides, I'm going to clean my handgun while it's loaded and shoot myself in the fucking hand and in the leg thus I can't fight Dana what the fuck is going on dude uh, yeah <laughs> I, yeah I, I heard about that and I was like wait did he yep. so he decided to not mm-hmm. check to see if there was a bullet in the gun yep. I don't <laughs> Do some Plaxico Burris level shit. <laughs> Say what now? I said some Plaxico Burris level shit. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I was just, I was, I was, I was like, you, you suppose, that's the first thing you do. Right. Is <laughs> check and see if all the bullets are out the gun. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, I, I I feel a bit sorry for him because this this is an opportunity that he probably wanted for a while. Right. Um. So I, I feel a little bad for him. I, I but you got to make sure that all the bullets <laughs> are out your gun. Uh, your gun. This is a life lesson for him. <laughs> Val Val in the chat that's, writes that's he's ducking Vitor. Val in the chat writes he's ducking Vitor, bro. <laughs> Oh, poor, poor yeah, Vitor. Vitor. Everybody's ducking him. Everybody's ducking him. You know what I like? Uh, I think it was on Instagram. He said, uh, TRT doesn't teach spinning leg kicks, bro. <laughs> it doesn't. It just makes them really fast and hard. That's like, it. <laughs> but um, let, here, here's the big one. The, the big January 2015 fight. So, so Nick Diaz, Dana White, put enough zeros in front of a contract to get him to sign a three-fight <laughs> deal. And um, everybody was excited. Everybody was pumped. It was like, yeah, all right, Nick Diaz is coming back. Who's he going to fight? Who's he going to fight? Then Dana White drops the fucking bombshell that Dana White usually just saves for just randomness. Like, he, he, he'll, he'll, you know, you follow him on Twitter. He puts up a whole bunch of shit, tells a whole bunch of people to go fuck themselves. And then it's like, oh, here's a photo of me and Anderson Silva having lunch. Oh, by the way, he's fighting Nick Diaz in January. Dude, the Twitter, like, imploded. 
when that happened. I was like, <laughs> oh, look, it's a photo of him and, and Anderson. And I left it alone. And then I went back and I scrolled down and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm. I cannot wait to see that fight. Um, I think I, I kind of felt like that was gonna probably be the fight they were gonna go for. Um, because um, excuse me, because they those are the fights that 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 is a fight that fans want to see. Absolutely, like they, it, that fight is not meant to progress either one of their careers. Nope. Really, it, it's just a, a fight that. Nick Diaz was saying that he wanted. That's it. And he got the opportunity because Anderson Silva needs a comeback fight. Right. Which might be the last Anderson Silva fight because he'll be probably 41 by the time that fight actually happens. Well, well here's, a, here's, a, here's a kicker for you. Nick Diaz signed a three-fight mm-hmm. deal. Three fights. Do you? Does anyone think for one fucking second that Nick Diaz signing a three-fight deal is going to be Nick Diaz fighting... I don't know, Carlos Condit again? No. It's going to be like Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva. Nick Diaz, like Chris Weidman super fight. You know, like Nick Diaz on some some next level shit. It's not going to be Nick Diaz fighting Robbie Lawler for a number one contender spot to fight Johnny Hendricks. It's not happening. And even if it was, he's going to be like, I'm going to fight this dude and I want a title shot next. There's no waiting for, nope. Like, that's how it's going to be. Three fights. Like, people were all tight. They were like, you know, I saw a couple dudes, a couple fighters. They were like, oh, I guess I need to have a three-fight losing streak. And, um, you know, I need to I need to get my leg broken in a fight to get the money fights. And I was just like, y'all don't understand, you know? Y'all don't get the fact that this fight will probably give them the biggest gate of 2015 like this is going to be the the measuring stick for every other card like people don't get that and it's crazy to me yeah i mean this is going to be a really really big deal like this yep that's going to be the main event um of that card um and probably they're going to probably put a and probably put a title fight up underneath it maybe right or something for that card it's going to be a big card and their whole point is we need to open the year with a bang we have Nick Diaz only for three fights. We probably have Anderson Silva probably for just this fight. Right. Um, and like, I, it's a it is a money fight. This is the purest form of the money fight, and I have no problem with this fight whatsoever. I'm I'm gonna watch it because I'm a oh, Nick dude. Diaz fan. I'm an Anderson Silva fan. Yep. I know Anderson Silva is not what he was, uh, and Nick Diaz probably isn't what he was at one time either. But it's still a fun fight to watch. Like, I, I don't understand any kind of real complaints about it. Well, you know what it is? Nick Diaz at this point, three fights. He could do a GSP return fight. That'll be a fuckload of money. He could do the fight with Anderson and maybe just one grudge fight with somebody and call it a day. That's it. Yeah, something like that. They'll figure out some way to get out of those three fights the most money they can. It's like Anderson. Um, Anderson, <clears throat> Anderson will probably be open to a super fight with John Jones just on the strength of a super fight. Like he'd be like, yo, I just want to do a super or fight. Or GSP. I'd much rather see him watch GSP because I, 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 I much rather see. No, I understand. No, I under, I understand what you're saying, but you know what it is in terms of just money fights, legacy fights. Say GSP, you know, he's too busy worrying about going to his dark place and worried about aliens. You know, Anderson Silva might be like, yo, you want to do this fight, John? And you know, John Jones, John Jones, a fighter and a businessman. He'd be like, fuck it, you know, let's do it. 
because that's 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 a oh, fight. That's a career good. fight. You know, that's a career fight. Even if even if he decimates Anderson Silva, he could say, "I fought one of the greatest fighters that ever lived." Like you know how how bad it must be for yeah. heavyweights to say to themselves, "Yo, we never got to fight Fedor." Like regardless of what you feel about Fedor, you know whether he's whether he got his his fight served to him or whether his aura wasn't legit. It's like as a fighter in a, as an elite level fighter, you want to test yourself. Those are the fights like when we joke about would Mike Tyson beat Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? Like that's what you. These are the fights we can get now. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I'm I'm actually really disappointed that John Jones never got a chance to fight Dan Henderson before Dan Henderson's obvious decline. Like, yep. Um, because at the time that would have been a really big fight, absolutely for legacy purposes. Yep. And um, <clears throat> and when you can have fights like this, I, I think you do it. Now, I don't. Like I said, I. I don't know about a John Jones Anderson Silva fight just because I think John, I think John. Oh, Jones he'd kill him. Really hurt. He'd Anson kill him. Silva. He would but, kill him, but you know, again, bucket list wise, John Jones would be like, "Yo, this is the last dude in my generation. Like, this is the last living legend I can fight." You know what I mean? Like, like it's like when Lyoto Machida fought Randy Couture and basically retired him. It's like this is it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it if they if they were to fight, it would probably end up being like that. But I don't know. I feel, I kind of feel like um, and Silver's gonna do this one fight and then be done. He might, you know, it depends. He might come back and be like, you know what? I don't feel a hundred percent that I could keep doing it. You know, because everybody's like, yeah, well, he's kicking the heavy bag and blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, you're kicking a heavy bag, but wait till you got to kick a, a leg and they got to check your kick. You know, heavy bags aren't checking kicks. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> you know, that's bone on bone, and everybody's like, "Yeah, but you know, Anderson Silva has a robotic leg," and it's like, "Yeah, that's true, but still, don't mean shit." Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we we'll see, but I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we got about uh, a while to that fight starts. I'm 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 I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's like it's like please don't nobody get hurt. Don't nobody piss nobody off. Just just let's just make it there. All we need now is for GSP to come back and be like, "Hey, I want to fight the winner of that fight when I come back." <laughs> you know, like the, like he'll do some some wild shit like that just to just to really fuck shit up. Like he'll be like, "Yo, I want the winner when I come back." <laughs> Yo, I I watch that. Nick Diaz be like, "Bring it, homie. I ain't scared." Wolf tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take yeah, that. I'd, I'd, I'd really enjoy that fight if they actually were able to do it. Well, we got to talk about another huge, huge fight, huge signing. Donald Cerrone, Eddie mm-hmm. Alvarez, yep. Sure Dog broke the news. I, I read it and I was just like, wait, 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 what? That's that's not happening. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it is. where I was when I read it. Like, wait, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, dude, Eddie Alvarez is, you know, best lightweight in the game. And Donald Cerrone, he just, he just wants to fight 24-7. Because he, he got bills to pay and beers to drink. He is essentially MMA Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just drives around in an RV, drinks Bud Light, punches people in the face, and that's it. So Eddie Alvarez is going to come in, fight a dude that's not a can, and, and he's going to show us why he's you know still supposed to be considered the, one of the you know top five lightweights in the world. If they can pull this off, uh, from what I was reading, still technically signed to Bellator, 
But apparently the UFC and Bellator, ironically, because Scott Coker is there, yep. Scott Coker is willing to let Andre Alvarez go. Of course apparently. he is. Of course and he is. they're trying to figure out some way, some kind of compensation to give Bellator. If they can pull this off, um, one, that would be an awesome fight. And two, uh, we we now know what the relationship between Scott Coker and Dana White is. There you go. And why everybody who was in Bellator is shitting on Beyond Redney all over social media now. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? It's like, you know, Dana White's probably like, listen, you give us Eddie Alvarez, we'll give you Clay Guida, <laughs> Roy Nelson, and, you know, we'll give you a couple dudes that'll, that'll get people hype on the product. And Scott Coker's like, all right, cool. You know, like, that's, like it's not like... Dana White calling Bjorn Rebney and Bjorn Rebney just going fuck you and hanging up. <laughs> like Scott Coker picks up the phone on speaker. Dana, what's up, man? <laughs> I don't know, man. I hear you yeah, got Eddie I mean, over there. One fight left. You know he's out of he's out of fights. What do you think? Eh, we could probably swing something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, either way, Eddie Alvarez is coming to UFC. It was either going to be after his next fight or it was going to be now. Yep. Uh, Beyond Redney knew that. Beyond Redney was going to be a dick and try to make it. From what I understand, he wasn't even going to plan on giving Eddie that next fight until 2015. Of course not. <laughs> so he was going to be a dick about it anyway. There you go. He was he was going to make him work for it. And, you know, that's just Beyond Redney trying to be a shrewd businessman. But Dana White probably, like, Scott, listen, there, there, there's some money on the back end for you to sign some guys. If you let us get Eddie, he was probably like, fuck it. Dude don't want to be here anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, he, clearly, Eddie ain't trying to be in Bellator anymore. He, nope. he said that. Uh, he's he's extremely lucky he beat Michael Chandler when they fought again because if he hadn't, uh, his money that he was going to get from UFC was going to drop considerably. Right. But, um, hell, he, he won. He has all the leverage. Um, and if, if they're willing, <clears throat> if they're breaking the story, that means it's happening. Yep. That means that they're they're working on it right now, and if if that come goes through, I cannot wait to see that fight. I, I don't know how it will play out because if it, the the thing you know about Eddie Alvarez is at some point he's going to get buzzed in a fight. Somebody you're gonna you're gonna knock him down. Yep. <laughs> and I want to see how he reacts fighting someone like Don Cerrone, who is going to probably at some point lace him with something hard and see how he reacts to that. So yep. I, it, It'll, it'll be a fun fight. Plus, it, uh, plus if they put if they dangle a title opportunity in it, forget it, because it's like yo, Cerrone, you knock off this dude title match, and you know Donald Cerrone, even though he doesn't want a belt, he wants that bread, so he'll be like, fuck it, I do it. You yeah, know, like, like I think the winner of this fight probably gets a title shot or is right at the cusp of one. Yeah, well, I tell you this, dude, at, at fifty five right now, it's it's it it, it is a legit. Shark Tank of dudes at fifty five. Like I was looking at the at the rankings, and I'm like, oh my god, any of these fights are are money fights, all of them. Yeah, I'm. I'm One fifty five is probably the best division in MMA. I mean, you still got Ben Henderson floating around out there. You still have um, Josh Thompson. Um, you still got a lot of really good dudes just floating around out there with no real direction yet. Nate Diaz waiting for his three fight contract and a title shot. <laughs> not happening. Of course not. Of course not. But you know, he he gonna try and and float some shit. I, I think I think Nick is probably gonna be the one that's gonna be like, yo, Nate, man, get your shit together. Take these fights, call it a day, get this bread, and we call it a wrap. 
But um, <laughs> before before we close things out, gotta talk about Tarek Safadin and Rory McDonald, which um, MMA Junkie said is going down UFC Fight Night Fifty Four in Nova Scotia. A uh, couple of things I gotta say about this. Why is it that Tarek Tarek Safadin it was the last Strike Force champion at one seventy, and he's never near any sort of a, of a title opportunity? Like it always feels like some shit happens. Or the dude he's got a fight gets hurt. Like it, it's like the dude has a has the black plague. Like the dude is cursed. I'm like, yo, how are you the 170 pound strike, the 170 pound strike force champion, and you've never gotten near fighting for the belt? Well, the thing with him is, I think he he's got to win more. He's got to win some fights in the UFC. I think he's only won what two fights in the UFC. I think it's one and um, oh, according be, to what uh, I saw. It might just be one, actually. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it is one. Um, he's got to win some fights in the UFC, and he's got to show. Like, if he beats Roy McDonald, he'll be right there. Like, this, yep. this is a fight. Like, if he wins that, he'll be right at the cusp. He's got to win some fights. He he really hasn't had that that kind of fight that just shows you like this dude is is legitimately a top three or four welterweight in the game. Unlike you know, uh, a Luke Rocco who basically has shown that. He belongs in that upper echelon. So if he beats Floyd McDonald, he'll be right there. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they'll hold him out just for the hell of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. I think my 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 concern with that is, like I said, it just feels like he's just you know another guy that's just been waiting in the wings, waiting in the wings, waiting in the wings, and it's just not laid out the way it should be for him. And and like I said, it's 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 a combination of you know injuries, dudes dropping out, etc. But it's just like. Like Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, he was the, the champion at 85, and he's still he's floating around. You know, he's close. But Safadine at 170, it's like, dude, why have you not been anywhere near like top five fights? Like this Roy McDonald fight, like as much as people talk all this shit about Roy McDonald, I'm just I'm just not sold on the kid. So I want Tarek Safadine to win because I just want to see if he can hang up there, you know what I mean? So people can be like, yo, the 170-pound champion from Strike Force was a fucking problem, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if he can win this fight, he'll, he's, he's there. Like, if he, he wins this fight, he'll he'll be right there, and um, he'll be at the point where he can, he can ask for a title shot or ask for a top three or four opponent. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it goes. Um, to see how he looks against a legit top three or four welterweight. Yeah, I think I think you know this week we got a lot of great news, and we're we're seeing we're seeing the the lull that we were talking about in the sport of MMA finally kind of start inching upwards into relevance again. Um, you know, everybody's been talking about all these great fights. There's a rumor that the UFC uniform thing is still going to happen. And that they're gonna use Ronda Rousey as the as the person to pull the trigger with that. Uh, again, that's a rumor, and I just wanted to th- float that out there. Uh, the whole MMA uniform thing. Again, um, the UFC's priorities in the wrong place. Cause it's like, yo, y'all worried about uniforms and shit. Uh, worry about good drug testing and good fights. Like, you, who cares? Who cares about uniforms? So what if some dude is sponsored? Like, I think a lot of people were joking because of that. Um, Was it Matt Brown that was sponsored by, like, dude wipes? Like, he had yeah, dude wipes. And I'm just like, 
okay and it was funny because my wife says to me what the fuck are dude wipes so she pulls up the site and i'm like oh really like 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 i can understand if you're sponsored by gillette or like headblade or or you know shit like that or like axe deodorant spray but it's like dude wipes so i could understand where dana white comes from like yeah you know we want to get like the sponsors here or there but i just feel that in regards to that this goes back to what you and i had talked about about just getting the fighters better sponsors like i almost feel that the sponsorship should just be handled by the ufc versus being handled by management because management's like oh you know bob's air conditioning wants to sponsor you it's weird to See, me. I, I can't agree with that because I, they're independent contractors. Like I, I feel like they should be able to go and get whatever sponsors they want to get. Um, right. Whoever will pay them. I, I feel like the UFC uniform might take some money out of some people's pockets. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much I like that idea of them saying like you have to all um, wear what we want you to wear. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be one main one main patch, I think, on the fight short, and then two two um, advertisers on the legs. Now, the only reasoning I can see where it makes sense is that if you're a sponsor and you pay for, for sponsorship placement and you get sponsorship placement on the front of the fighter, it's like um, nobody's going to see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, like, like very rarely are you seeing a sponsor on the front of the shorts. Like it's the back or the yeah, legs. I, don't know. We, I just feel I just feel that I, the caliber of sponsors that management is getting. I don't know if it's because maybe the UFC would be able to get spot better sponsors based on the money versus you know other companies, but it's just weird to me. Like like no disrespect to Dude Wipes or Condom Depot or whatever, because whatever it pays these guys bread and butter. You know it pays these guys their, their salaries, their training camps. I understand that, but it's just like. Like, where do some of these fucking places come from, you know? Yeah, no, I think the UFC should be more selective on who they allow. Right. Their fighters. But I, I just I just can't see them being like, hey, like, uh, you can't, you, you have to wear this short, this short, you know what I mean? But, I mean, do wipes, no, I, I, I agree with you, do wipes is, I actually looked up what do wipes were, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I'm not, yeah. maybe I worded it wrong, but it's exactly that. Just vetting the sponsors. And, and, and that's the thing too. Like if the UFC said, listen, you know, Nike, Reebok, Adidas, you guys want to get in on this converse. You guys want to get in on this. Listen, you know, these fighters, they're hungry for sponsors. We'd love to work with you guys, whatever the case may be. And, and I think that if they started doing that, the fighters would be able to work with just more, you know, more mainstream companies, you know, whether it's, monster energy or um Mm -hmm. you know xbox like demetrius johnson has xbox like how did that come to pass you know what i mean like demetrius johnson got xbox just him and it's like you guys just launched the game on next gen consoles you mean to tell me that sony or microsoft wouldn't want to put their name on a fighter are you crazy like why wouldn't they and that's what i mean mean. robbie lala has adidas yep um i think uh I think uh, Johnny Hendricks has Adidas too. No, he has Reebok. Johnny Hendricks has Reebok. You know, the, the, the big sponsors are here. They're 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 willing to work with people. But That's right. I don't know. And I and I wanted to run that by oh, you because it, it just felt it felt like such a strange story. And you know, after what we talked about with Matt Brown, just seeing like sponsors like that, like 
like Condom Depot. I'm not going to lie. I've bought shit from Condom Depot. Who the fuck hasn't? But it's like seeing them out there, it's weird to me, you know, because it's like, all right, Condom Depot got money like that. What about, um, you know, companies like GoDaddy or tons of other companies? Like, why aren't they out there? approaching those guys because you mean to tell me GoDaddy who buys like fucking million dollar Super Bowl spots wouldn't toss a fighter you know 50 grand to throw GoDaddy on like the leg of their shorts I just can't I just I can't fathom that that's not possible yeah no I, I agree with you like they, they need they need to step up who they allow to be sponsors and 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 stop some of the more ridiculous ones because it just doesn't look good there you go all right well with that said, that uh, that's actually going to wrap up um, this week's MMA segment. Uh, just want to let you guys know, Ben did uh, his brand new show on Mixler, so uh, give us the scoop on that, man. Um, you guys definitely were off to a good start talking about a lot of different things, so hit hit the listeners with that. All right, uh, everybody, uh, the, the show on Mixler is uh, Double HND. If you go on Mixler and uh, search Double HND or search my name, uh, you'll come up with our podcast. Uh, Basically, uh, we talk about whatever we, we really feel like at the time. Uh, it's mostly uh, music, but uh, we, we do a lot of nerd stuff, uh, music, sports. Uh, just just talk about whatever me and uh, my friend uh, Taylor feel like talking. So everyone, you know, just look up the podcast. And all feedback is is uh, accepted. Uh, we're really early in the process uh, trying to make it sound better. So any feedback anybody can give us would be great. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, you know, especially if you're a you're you're a hip hop fan, or you you know you definitely want to talk some sports. Um, you guys definitely kill it with that. You know, especially when, when you know the LeBron talk with 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 that stuff, and just I'm sure with the NFL around the corner, you guys are really gonna step your game up. So uh, check them out. Of course, yeah. follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. And if you got any questions, you can hit him there or on the Facebook fan page just in case. Yep. Yep. There you go. All right, my friend, uh, thanks for the assist as always. Um, it's much appreciated. All right. All right, bro. Peace. All right, so that was our very own Ben. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. I posted the link for Mixler on his show. Uh, it's Mixler.com, and it should be double HND. I believe that was it when I looked at it. If not, I will put uh, the link for that in the show notes for this week. And uh, you guys can check out Ben's show, especially if you're a, a fan of hip-hop music or a sports nut um, or just into geek culture, of course. Definitely uh, give Ben a listen. Those guys, they kill it. And uh, they're starting out, but they got great chemistry. So got to give, gotta show those guys some love. All right, so that's going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Let's get into some wrestling. Uh, we got a lot to discuss. We got Raw and the fallout from that, and of course... We got to get into the week's wrestling news, so let's get that ball rolling. Uh, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use the promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on order, uh, off $10. Ugh, way to botch that live read. Save $10 on orders that are $70 or more. Again, 
the promo code is WWE save 10. All right. So I want to get into this week's raw, which was quite interesting for a couple of reasons. A lot of things came out of it. Of course, um, my colleagues, Quark and John blade gave a, a thorough analysis on uh, this week's buried show. And of course you guys are recommended to check that out. But I do got to say that the opening segment for raw with John Cena and Cesaro and Paul Heyman was ridiculous from a multi from a multitude of of different aspects. First of all, John Cena came out. He was cutting his typical superhero super face promo, and then when Paul Heyman came out, this is what this is what the power of a good manager demonstrates. Paul Heyman demonstrated that when you have a good manager. Being in the arena is irrelevant. Not that we needed that we that Brock Lesnar shouldn't have been there, but Paul Heyman has really, really made and driven home the point that a manager in 2014 is still an essential part of a character. And the reason I say this is because you look at a guy like Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger by himself is a credible wrestler, serviceable at best. His mic skills aren't great, but when you align him with a guy, a veteran like like Zeb Coulter, you know that you're going to get something special, something unique. And while, yes, there, there are ample racial undertones, what that manager is doing is he is hiding the weaknesses and the flaws of the performer, yet still allowing the performer to shine. Now, a lot of people can look at this from a multitude of ways. First of all, you can look at it from... Uh, Instances where it wasn't successful because the manager had infinitely more heat than the superstar. Great example, Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero. Because Vicky Guerrero was such a heat magnet that Dolph Ziggler didn't really get to develop as much as he should have because Vicky Guerrero was just a magnet for crowd reaction. That's not a dig at Vicky Guerrero. On the contrary, Vicky Guerrero kind of started ushering in those managers, those real polarizing personalities that kind of lit a fire under the rocket for that particular superstar. Um, you know, in Dolph Ziggler's case, you know, Vicky lit the fire. Dolph Ziggler headed up, you know, flew up into the stratosphere for, uh, you know, main event relevancy. And then, of course, they threw AJ into the mix. There were <clears throat> there were a multitude of things that went on. But in this particular instance, Paul Heyman was just prepared to, to was preparing to deliver the promo of promos except Antonio Cesaro had to something to add to that equation. And Antonio Cesaro, a lot of people talk about, oh, Cesaro's run with Paul Heyman was a weakness or Cesaro's accent really doesn't work as effectively as it should because it really doesn't help his character. But what Cesaro did was that he came out, acknowledged his relationship with Paul Heyman, not as a negative, just as a different a difference in creative direction, yet still acknowledge the fact that they had a common enemy in John Cena. Now, subtle things like that are good because you saw Cesaro came out and he's like, listen, I'm not going to let you disrespect my friend, Paul Heyman. Just because we're not working together doesn't mean that we're not friends. And that right there really, really left um, a very, very open-ended angle because... Cesaro never said 
that Paul Heyman, you know, was a piece of shit or anything. Cesaro effectively let himself, left himself a trap door in case management decides that he needs to go back with Paul Heyman. And this is the kind of stuff that I feel is the right way to do things because you don't necessarily have to break the guys up completely to close a to close a door. It could just be a difference of opinion. And I really valued the fact that they did that. It I really I said to myself, "Holy shit, did creative do something um correct for once?" And they did because creative what they ended up doing was they in essence went out there and allowed these guys to shine using exactly the tools that work for them. In Cena's case, Cena's trying to be the hard-nosed, um, you know, hero of the company. Paul Heyman is trying to be the guy that has the interests of his clients at heart. And Cesaro was wanting wanted to be the guy that upset the apple cart. He wanted to be the guy that made a statement. Now, the match itself started off a little abrupt. It started off a little slow. There were some botches that Cena Conrana was was atrocious, but I understood where they were going. It was the necessity to try and get wrestling demonstrated very, very quickly. So they figured some chain wrestling can get the ball rolling and it can bring everything together. But once that commercial break came and went, these guys, they turned it up a notch and it was... It was tremendous. This match really showed how much of an asset Cesaro is and how much Cena can allow performers to shine when he feels like it. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, that's because John Cena is realizing that his time is up and he's looking to create new stars. And let's say that is the case. What is the problem in creating a star with a guy like Cesaro? Cesaro is one of the most complete natural athletes they got on the roster. He is not the most muscular guy. He is not the biggest guy, but he's the strongest guy. He's the most technically sound guy. And not for nothing, even though people feel that his promo ability is lacking, I truly beg to differ. If you look at his work in Ring of Honor as Claudio Castagnoli, Google it, and you'll see what I'm saying. Look for it on YouTube, and you'll see that Cesaro definitely has an upside. He just needs the right creative force behind him to utilize it correctly. Simple as that. Now, Slick says Cena's time is far from up, but he but he is really good at promoting others both in and out of the ring. You know what it is? Everybody wants. Here's how here's how the Internet fan. Well, the wrestling fan base works. And I'm going to use Cena as the prime example. You have your your people that want the Cena heel turn. I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Then you got your individuals that want your, you know, your Cena beyond the five moves of doom. And then you got your guys that want your Cena to go away. Now, those are the people that have seen enough. You know, the way I see it is John Cena's uh, his his point, his purpose in the company at this point is that he he is for the time being the cornerstone of the company. Now, when Daniel Bryan was healthy, he was being groomed to be that secondary cornerstone. And it was great, but obviously things happen. You know, athletes crumble. You know, they hurt themselves. They're out of the spotlight. So Cena has to carry the ball on his own. And while, again, I don't re- I'm not a fan of Cena being champion, and I'm tired of his happy-go-lucky shtick, I got to give credit where credit is due. If you're giving 
if you're giving somebody the ball to carry your company, you got to give it to the guy with the most mainstream appeal. And that is John Cena. Until somebody can come along that has the right the right combination of charisma, grit, talent, and and management behind them, it's not going to change. You know? Now, Slick Ass Rich, who else would be champ right now? Listen, if if injuries wouldn't have hurt him, Bad News Barrett would have probably been a good champion. I'll be honest. Dolph Ziggler, when he was red hot, not when they finally put the belt on him, but when he was red hot, would have been a good champion. Again, this isn't taking anything away from Cena because at this point, oh, well, in terms of people who are currently available, um, you know something, and this is going to sound crazy, I would have probably given the belt, and, and, and you're going to think I'm nuts, I would have probably have given the belt to Cesaro. When Paul Heyman aligned himself with Cesaro, I would have given him the title because that would have allowed Cesaro to, to really work outside of that. Now, Jay says, Dolph, the reason I said Dolph when he was red hot is because creative has fucked him up so badly that it's going to take some time and a really good feud to put him back in that upper echelon, that upper, that upper caliber champion. Now, Cesaro, he was red hot. The swing was over. Everybody was into his character. You had just separated him from Jack Swagger. That's when you wanted to, you know, that's when you wanted to do that. Slick Slick said it best. When Cesaro won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, that's when you had the idea that Cesaro was going to be that guy. You know, unfortunately, management saw things differently. But for an opener, angle and match-wise, it was tremendous. It was a, a fantastic match. Uh, again, a very disjointed start, but a very, very solid finish. The super attitude adjustment off the top rope was good. There were no losers in that match because Cena had to dig deep to defeat a game Cesaro, and Cesaro got to see that Cena was more than a one-trick pony. That's all I'm saying. Now, Mortis says that Cesaro will be big in 2015. You know what the thing is? Cesaro would have been big in 2015 if they wouldn't have strapped the rocket to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is probably the guy that has derailed a lot of pushes. And I'm going to get into that too because of some uh, some speculation surrounding his program with, Rand- with Randy Orton. And I want to talk about that as well. So we got to see a segment on Raw with AJ and Paige, which if it continues the way it's going, can lead to a pretty serviceable feud. The only thing is that we can't drag it out longer than maybe two pay-per-views as at best. And the reason I say this is because you're really starting to see Paige come into her own as a heel. She's starting to do the right kind of things to set herself apart from your run-of-the-day heels thus far. She's not trying to be the prettiest. She's not trying to be the cutest. She's just trying to be the one that can stick the knife in your back at a moment's notice. And that's fine. That's something that's 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 good. It works. But you can't drag this out too long because either you let them do a long-term program or you got to start fleshing it out with some other divas. Because that feud, I mean, I like where they're going. They're trying to put the spotlight on a lot of the female performers. But AJ and Paige can only go so far before people get tired of seeing it. 
you're trying i don't want Paige and aj to become cena and orton and the and you guys will understand when i say that because cena and orton's feuds when they initially started were red hot but once you saw it the third the fourth the fifth the eighth time it lost its luster so just something to take into account i think it was good where they were going but it definitely was not on the same level that you would expect from two established performers that's all now we had a we had an angle with um triple h stephanie mcmahon and chris jericho which was pretty good um you know chris jericho digging into you know the bottom feeding hoe line from 1999 which was great i only feel the my only concern is that jericho came out to do that and you obviously it was to set up a match but the problem is that chris jericho hasn't really done that in quite some time so when you see him do it it just feels like it was thrown together like it was forced and not that that was the case but it was good for the initial laugh but when you watch it you say to yourself what year is this it almost feels like you're watching a rock promo not that it was bad again not that it was a bad exchange just an exchange that really showed Jericho's age because I I almost felt like his character is so past that that it just didn't look normal to me now some of you may disagree with that and I and of course I welcome your your commentary as always and um as I said and I and I'm gonna remind people I got to get into the habit of doing it if you want to participate in any of the segments three four seven three two four three five four one if you disagree um Jay says that it was vintage it was retro I understand the whole vintage aspect Jay and I understand that it was retro but did you feel that it was misplaced like it just felt random like it like it had no like it had no buildup you know now Jay says I would bet my paycheck he wanted to cut that promo okay I you know what that that's probably the case but did it did you feel like the promo belonged like it was part of the bigger picture because for me I just felt that they said Jericho go out there and make this work Jay says it actually was more expected than anything you know what it is I I think that it was unexpected for me because Jericho's been working this program with the Wyatts and then all of a sudden he's jumping into the authority mix which was a little weird at least for me Slick says it was filler. It was enjoyable, but it was filler. See, that's what I felt. I felt it was filler that was just tossed out there to kind of kill some time and advance angles forward. Again, not, not not a knock against Jericho, just a knock at the pacing, at how it showed up, you know, how it came to be, so to speak. Now, mind you, we've talked about all this. We, we finally get into our second match of the night. It was Dolph Ziggler and the Usos against Team Rybaxel and The Miz. Um... A pretty decent match. I really liked um, the the foreshadowing with Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Big E watching because it's really working in 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 terms of just starting to build those guys in a subtle way. You really don't know where where they stand. You don't know if they're heels or faces per se. You just know that they're a force and they're waiting in the wings. And I like that. I like the slow burn. You just got to make sure that when you do it, there has to be good reasoning behind it. See. Everybody assumes that we're going on, you know, the race card, which is the easiest way to go. You know, new nation of domination, etc., etc. What I really want these guys to utilize as a platform isn't the fact that they're all African-American. It's the fact that they're all underutilized talent. Now, you know, Jay says that they need one more member. 
and I'm sure it's going to be Mark Henry. And you know what? If it is Mark Henry, it actually would fit because Mark Henry was a guy that was challenging for the belt. And he can say that all of a sudden, because, you know, management didn't want to deal with him or management didn't want to push him that he that he was not given a, the a right opportunity, uh, a, you know, a, a justified opportunity to challenge for the belt. Now, like I said, it's easy to say that they're black mid carders like Jay just wrote in the chat. That's the easy angle. That's definitely the easy angle. But I would rather go with guys that were on the cusp of greatness and then just fell off. Now, Morta says having Mark Henry would make people compare them to the nation. It, it's true. You can. But you can also look at it from the standpoint of guys that have been passed over for opportunities you know, for whatever reason, I mean, if you want to go the, them with them being African-American mid carters and not getting those opportunities, you can do that, but that's the easiest thing to do. And in Mark Henry's case, his involvement works because Mark Henry's a guy that's always been, you know, one of the strongest competitors, one of the best competitors. And like I said, when he was at the top of his game running the Hall of Pain gimmick, he deserved a championship run and he didn't get it. You know, it's it's one of those things where there's genuine story there that you can say, hey, you know, nobody, nobody gave me, nobody gave me that opportunity. The only other person in, outside of Mark Henry I'd put in that group and, um, you know, we joked about this would would be Dolph Ziggler, but it would be way too easy to say that he's playing the Owen Hart role because Dolph Ziggler could join the group and say, you know, I've been on the cusp of greatness and guys like the Miz or guys like Batista come in and they take my spot and, you know, or they take my opportunities and Dolph Ziggler would be a, a welcome addition. And it would kind of break up, break that stigma of, Oh, this is going to be a, a, um, a stable of African-American mid carters. It'd be interesting to see. I think it would be a great dynamic. The only other person outside of the Miz, I mean, outside of, um, uh, Dolph Ziggler, I would use, I would use Zack Ryder, you know, I would use Zack Ryder because Zack Ryder is, is a prime example of a guy who's in the upper echelon. And then all of a sudden his real world issues just ruined his run. And when I say real world issues, I, you know, from a storyline perspective, you can say that you just weren't mainstream enough or you didn't sell enough merchandise. And you can add that, that air of realism to, to his involvement in a stable like that, you know, and, and Jay brings up a, a good point. Remember, this is Vince. We're talking about race is what sells booking. This is true. And it's, it, again, it's easy to label these guys, the new nation or whatever the case may be. But if you actually went outside of the, uh, outside of those boundaries and really used them as a stable of guys that got, that got tired of having their opportunities taken from them it would yield a different sort of result, an interesting sort of result. But, you know, what can you do? So our third match of the night was Bo Dallas and R-Truth, and uh, the streak is Bover. Uh, the Bo Dallas streak is officially over. R-Truth with the pinfall, uh, with, the, with the surprise roll-up, I should say, on Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas then proceeds to pretty much beat the holy hell out of R-Truth, which was good. And I think if you go that route where Bo Dallas is super nice and then somebody gets the surprise victory on him and he just goes crazy and he beats him to death, um, I think it would be a great thing to see just for him as a character because 
there's more to it than him coming out there and being, you know, long-haired Tebow. At least if you go that route, it adds a little bit more of an edge to his character. So before I get into the Lana and Rusev segment, Mortis writes, you're thinking creatively and logical, Rich. That doesn't work with the WWE most of the time. <laughs> this is true, Mortis, and I, and I appreciate the kind words, but, you know, I got to try and look at this. It's very easy for me to turn on this microphone and come on air and shit on the entire product. What I try to do is I try to find, um, you know, the right storytelling, the right things that work. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Cork and Blade write Buried and I write the three R's. Not because I don't find anything wrong with the business or wrong with the storytelling or wrong with the matches, but I feel that it's very easy to to stand on a to stand on a soapbox and be overly negative. It's very easy to do that because that's what WWE expects from you. That's what the wrestlers expect from you. Nobody expects you to turn on a microphone or jump in front of social media or jump on social media, I should say, and and say, hey, this is what I found was right. And this is what I found was wrong. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'll come on here and I'll turn on the microphone and I'll shit on everything. But that's because there are times when the product deserves to be shit on. It's that simple. But then there are times when they're doing a lot of good things, a lot of right things. And I can't, you know, I can't say anything negative. And there's there, those moments need to be there. You know, that's how it goes. Jay writes, uh, that group needs to cause havoc and terror like the Nexus when it first started. I agree. I agree 100%. I agree that they should cause just chaos and destruction and not let people know their motivations until later on. You know? I definitely think that when they go, oh, you know, why are you guys doing this? They just don't say anything. They just keep walking away until finally, you know, something happens, something big happens and Xavier Woods just cut, cuts the promo of a lifetime, you know, the pipe bomb style promo, and really puts the company on notice. And this is what's been lacking. You know, now that the Wyatt family are wrapped up in their feuds and the shield has been broken up, you don't have that stable of, of people just running around. I mean, you got the authority, but it, the authority is something that's pretty much a constant. You need that that group of individuals just going around and killing shit. I mean, a great example is... um. In, in, in Japan, the stable uh, Bullet Club, if you look at the stable known as Bullet Club and you see what they're doing in Japan, you'll understand. I mean, there's definitely hints of NWO influence there, but this is what you need. You need that one dominant group. And I'm talking about the group that shows up on Raw and fuck shit up, shows up on main event and fuck shit up, goes to NXT, beats up some rookies, goes to SmackDown. They show up everywhere and disrupt everything. This is what we need. This is... This is what needs to happen. You need that crazy stable that people, as soon as they see these guys, they know some wild shit is going to happen. I mean, that's what happened when that riff would hit for the shield and you'd see the, the, the hounds of justice come down them steps. You knew somebody was getting their ass kicked. Simple as that. Same thing with the Wyatts. As soon as those lights went out and that, that guitar riff ended, you knew when those, the lights went back on, somebody was getting put to sleep. And now, you know, those guys are wrapped up in their own feuds. In the Shields case, obviously, they're no more. We need that because stables create stars. And Kofi, Big E, and Xavier Woods need that. They just need some one other thing, one other constant to bring them together. Whether it's, you know, my idea with like Dolph Ziggler or, you know, Zack Ryder or, you know, Mark Henry, if you're going to go that route. That's what you got to do. You have to do something like that. 
I mean, you you can go crazy, and and this is this is gonna be insane. You could put Alberto Del Rio in that group and still utilize the racial thing because you can say that you know you're a guy that comes from a great background, from a legendary family, and you don't get the opportunities you used to get because you don't meet the entertainment value that the company that the company sets. And and again, even though Del Rio is a guy that nobody really likes, at least it would add a unique twist to a tried and true story. Because it's very easy to say, "Hey, we're African American and we don't get pushed." Hey, we're Di- you know we're we're Hispanic or we're Mexican or we're Puerto Rican and we don't get pushed. It's very easy to say that, but in this instance, at least if you go that route, you can say, "Hey, this is this is something unique. This is something different." Jay writes, the lights went out and you knew someone was going to get their ass kicked or their butthole invaded. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, oh, but, you know, I got to ask you guys, uh, this new mic, how, how does it sound? Because I noticed that there's a little bit of a pop. I just want to know if you guys are hearing it. Just let me know. I'd appreciate it. Anyway, so we got uh, Lana and Rusev with Swagger and Coulter. This was probably... The exchange everybody is saying is leading up to in their inevitable flag match at SummerSlam, which a lot of people are saying uh, the flag match is going to be done because that way Rusev does not have to be pinned to lose. Now, again, an interesting way to go about it, but originally people were saying that Rusev was going to feud with Sheamus for the U.S. title and then Rusev was going to win the U.S. title from Sheamus. I don't know how legitimate that is. But um, I think the feud with Swagger just works better because Zeb Coulter is such a driving force for that feud. Obviously, the um, the flag match, it, you know, it's a gimmick match. It's just a little bit of angle advancement, and it doesn't really bother me in the least. We know how it's going to end, and in a way, it kind of protects Rusev, which is the right thing to do at this point because he, he's being groomed for, for a big feud, and he's slowly inching his way up the card, so... You know, I can accept the fact that he he may lose a flag match. It is what it is, you know? Meanwhile, on the flip side, you have that which I accept, but then we have Damian Sandow pretty much just coming out looking like a complete basket case, um, dressed up as an astronaut with Adam Rose. And again, Adam Rose, the Rosebuds, the, the you know, the, the Exotic Express, it's all well and good, but much like I've said before, it is starting to run its course it legitimately is starting to run its course and um it's running its course twofold number one i'm tired of damian sandow just getting jobbed out on the regular made to look like a bitch and then in adam rose's case it was you know the, the entrance was interesting um you know the experience was really cool the you know the stage dive the bunny all that stuff was good but it, it the novelty act wore off very, very quickly. Now, a lot of people say, Rich, you know, you're not giving the gimmick a fair shake. I am giving, giving the gimmick a fair shake, but I also see that the luster that that gimmick had, it was because in NXT, you have a dedicated fan base that's week in and week out, and it's invested into the gimmick. When you're taking this gimmick across the country, some people are going to like it. Some people are going to be like, ugh, this fucking guy. And that's what happens. Just because the gimmick worked in NXT doesn't automatically mean that it's going to be golden on television. That's where I stand with it. Again, other people, of course, will disagree, but I think that 
when you're looking at something like that, like a gimmick like that, you're looking at it from the from the outlet that, hey, this gimmick is going to be legit and, you know, it worked in NXT. It's going to be amazing on live television. <sighs> you know, it, that's a good one too. the bubbles, the bubbles for, for Emma work in NXT. They don't work on raw because it's just a bigger venue. You might see like three or four bubbles float by it. Just, it's not the same. And this is something that has to go. It goes back to NXT just because the gimmicks all work there. Don't mean that they're going to, if you have something super elaborate, it's not going to carry over as effectively because the venues are bigger and the crowds are just more, they're more electric and they'll shit on a gimmick like this at the drop of a hat. They'll really just take a gimmick to task and it's not going to work. That's it. Slick summed it up perfectly. How show gimmicks don't work in arenas. So. Kane and Roman Reigns were supposed to face off. And um, here's the funny thing with that. They were supposed to face off, but Randy Orton all of a sudden felt like, oh, I'm going to be a badass tonight and I want to be involved and I want to teach Roman Reigns a lesson. This is probably the first time in a while that Randy Orton has been anywhere remotely interesting. Check this out. So there goes Roman Reigns, everybody touching him, you know, everybody getting a free feel and the selfies, a couple of selfies in there. And um, Randy Orton doing what Randy Orton does best. So as you see, they're scrapping. That guy has a legacy t-shirt. That shit is old as fuck. There you go. There you go. There goes Roman Reigns, Superman punch. Kane gets put to sleep. There you go, whole lat. Oh, and whole lat from Kane. Kane coming in, trying to be a badass. Oh, I'm going to throw you in the ring, even though I'm fucking you up outside of the ring. I'm just going to throw you in the ring for, for shits and giggles. Go ahead, Kyle Drogo. Do what you got to do. That's it. There goes Randy Orton, master of the chin locks. Oh, not a bad spot. Randy Orton sold that Superman punch terribly. So, Kane was pretty much a badass. Even though he had his issues with Randy Orton, he just felt, eh, you can whoop Roman Reigns' ass. Even though you got an RKO from Randy Orton right before the pay-per-view, and then at the pay-per-view, he whooped your ass. But yeah, continuity... Not here, folks. Not here. So, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, so, see, a little shit talking. See, like, this was a really cool spot. Good spot. Oh, look, the announce table. Oh, look at that, because you had to put the clip of the announce table breaking and not the clip of the table not breaking. Anyway, so the thing about this to me that really was probably the better part of this. uh, Let me just pause that. The thing that, that got me with this entire turn of events, this entire segment was that Randy Orton probably was 
the most relevant he's been in quite some time. It seriously was. It really was probably the most amazing thing in quite some time. And I say this because Randy Orton is so one-dimensional and so boring that, you know, it was it was it was the best I've seen out of Orton from a character development standpoint in quite some time. Now Slick says Randy Orton's involvement was stupid because he cost Roman Reigns nothing. Reigns cost Orton a title match. Now I understand where Slick is coming from, but you gotta be you gotta look at it like this: Roman Reigns needs a legitimate feud, and if it's not gonna be with Kane, it's gotta be with Orton. And I'll be honest, I don't want Orton anywhere near the title picture. And I would have thought that a very vicious Randy Orton uh, feuding with Roman Reigns would be effective. But what people have been saying on the house show circuit is that their feud, you know, their matches on the house show circuit have been quite shitty. That's the crazy part. People have been saying that their house show circuit matches have been bullshit. Now, I'm going to reserve judgment until, you know, we get to SummerSlam, but one of the things that a lot of websites are reporting is that Randy Orton is looking shitty in these matches because he doesn't want to allow Roman Reigns to get over as a top face. Now, obviously, you can take this as internet speculation, which I do to a degree, but there's a part of me that doesn't seem shocked hearing something like that because WWE has a very serious power vacuum with regards to established faces. All you have are a lot of really good heels right now, and then you just got John Cena and a bunch of mid-card faces who you're really not investing energy into because you're pouring it all into Roman Reigns. And while I understand you're trying to groom Roman Reigns and he's the future, but you still have great talent like Dean Ambrose that you don't even have to book him as a face. You can book him as an anti-hero and still be effective. That's all I'm saying, but... It's it's a it's a very weird time and like I said, there's a very big power vacuum in the in the face department and I un- I I can understand where WWE's anxiousness to get Reigns to that level is is evident, but I also feel that if you don't give him some decent feuds to get that rolling and to make it work, it's just gonna be a lot of disjointed, non chemistry having matches. That's how it is. Like, if you see Ambrose and Rollins, their chemistry is there, their hatred for each other is there, their genuine emotion is there, it works. For Roman Reigns, it's just like, I don't like you, I'm going to punch you in the face. And while I understand that that's effective and you want to do that because you're trying to create this guy who assesses and attacks, you have to give him some feuds with genuine passion, with something personal at stake. Not just the fact that Randy Orton isn't, you know, he's in the doghouse with the authority, that shouldn't be the only basis for your feud. And this is what I'm saying. When you measure, when you weigh out the scales of Randy Orton and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, the scales are definitely completely in favor of Ambrose and Rollins because those guys, they got the chemistry, they got the storytelling, and they got the wrestling down to a science. Reigns and Orton, complete fucking disjointed shit that's all it is so we get our our filler match of the evening with diego doing his best uh michael bay ninja turtle impersonation along with torito and the slayers aka the stork and jiminy cricket taking on fandango who pretty much has become 
um, the wrestling equivalent of the Forever Alone meme because everyone that they show is always that really sad Forever Alone picture. Somebody actually, I believe, put it on Reddit, uh, Fandango, next to the Reddit Alone, um, Forever Alone meme, and it just worked for some reason. But um, first of all, Diego looks like a Ninja Turtle. Uh, he also looks like a roll-on with, with two eye sockets. Diego, Diego with those, with those stupid pink headbands just looks completely terrible. But, um, besides that, the match itself accomplished nothing. It just continued to establish that Layla and Summer Rae will continue to align themselves with every member of the mid card possible to make Fandango's life a living hell. Now, obviously it's funny. It's amusing. You want to try and utilize that to get these chicks over, but it's really just eating up a lot of time that can be dedicated to real wrestling and not this shit. It, 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 I mean, there's, there's other places for that. You can relegate shit like that to main event or SmackDown, but when you're utilizing your flagship show for that, it's just a slap in the face of the fans. That's all I'm saying. But of course it was redeemed. The, you know, that shitty ass segment was redeemed with a, with the award-winning uh, Gold Dust and Stardust segments, which continue to improve week in and week out. You continue to see Cody Rhodes just really embrace his gimmick and make it work, and I enjoy it so much. I think Cody Rhodes is really onto something. Um, this is a breakout role for him, and he's embraced it totally, and he's making it work. Now, we had a good exchange between AJ and Paige, we got the the build up with Brie Bella and um, Stephanie McMahon, but then then we get Naomi and Natalia against Alicia Fox and Cameron. Now, one of these things is not like the other. On the left side, Naomi and Natalia. You know what they are? Wrestlers. On the right side, Alicia Fox and Cameron. One of those is a wrestler. One of those is a chick that thinks she's a wrestler. Ladies and gentlemen, Alicia Fox, wrestler. Cameron, world star hip-hop chick. I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. I understand you're trying to you're trying to, to amplify and add some gas to the fire with the feud between Cameron and Naomi, but that entire that in, the, that entire feud is worthless to me. Because Naomi can't even get a good match out of her because she can't even carry her yet. Naomi is a great wrestler. She is a, a, a good she's a good worker, but she hasn't reached the level of carrying people in matches. Unfortunately for us, that that belongs to Cameron. You know, it's 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 really it's really unfortunate that Cameron just continues to be out there just stinking up the joint. Just, you know, just really just exactly that's that's pretty much what what she is cameron matches especially matches where she's uh you know in singles competition are are this oh my god ah, 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 ah. Oh, yep that's better ah, ah. those are those are cameron matches just just you look at the tv and you just scream at it because you say to yourself why is this chick on my television like Eva Marie, you just want to see her on TV because it's a train wreck. Cameron, you're you're investing time and energy. It's like send Cameron down to NXT and call up Sasha Banks. I'd rather it be Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox in there against Naomi and Natalia 
versus Cameron stinking up the fucking TV every week. So what if she's on Total Divas? She's fucking garbage. She is garbage. I'm sorry to say it. There is there's not been one instance where she's been on TV where I found any match that she's been involved in remotely interesting. It just doesn't fucking happen. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. So Chris Jericho and Seth Rollins, of course, met later on in the evening after the uh, incident earlier on with uh, Chris Jericho and the authority. And this match was definitely everything. It was cracked up to be minus, obviously, the interference, the uh, very, very huge uh, Rollins springboard into the code breaker spot was extremely well done. It felt like a prime Chris Jericho out there. Him and Seth Rollins looked great in that match. I liked every aspect of it. I think that if you did a feud with these two superstars down the road, it would lead to very, very good wrestling. I understand that you had to use this, obviously, to continue your feud with the Wyatts, but it definitely worked on multiple levels. Like I said, we got to see some really good wrestling from Rollins and Jericho, plus we got the angle advancement for the inevitable Jericho-Bray Wyatt rematch, which, of course, we will probably be seeing at SummerSlam, maybe with some sort of a gimmick. We shall see. But overall, I felt that it was a great match. I really enjoyed it, and the spot, the Codebreaker springboard spot, was fantastic. Now, of course, we close out with your main event angle. Um, Stephanie McMahon trying to humble herself, uh, getting Brie Bella in there. Of course, this sets up a match between them at SummerSlam, which if you are a veteran wrestling fan, you know will probably end with Nikki Bella turning on Brie and either aligning with Stephanie or helping Stephanie McMahon win. Now, if Brie Bella does win and she does win cleanly, then maybe we'll get the turn during the post-match celebration. Whatever the case may be, we will we will definitely see Brie Bella back on TV and the inevitable Nikki Bella heel turn because it's way too easy to not do at this point. Now, some people are saying, oh, you know, you're going to use Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella to, to close out the show, but you know what it is? This is a feud that's been simmering, and they've been trying to do what they can to really set it on fire and get it there, and I felt that Stephanie McMahon, at during that exchange with Brie Bella, was really finally stepping into the Vince McMahon shoes. And when I say that, I say it because the Vince McMahon shoes are when you finally do something so something villainous and dastardly that you've really come full circle. Like most of the stuff Stephanie McMahon's been doing now is typical evil owner bullshit. But the the way that they closed it out with that exchange and Stephanie McMahon just really being this this evil boss, it, it was good. It was it was refreshing to see, but. I would not have utilized that to close out the show. I I really wouldn't. I feel that that's an angle that while it is good, it's definitely not the angle that's going to bump up your rating during the overrun. That's all I'm saying. I liked it. I I liked where it was going, but I really felt that it was in the wrong place in the overall broadcast. Now, to sum up Raw as a whole, Raw as a whole was quite good. I really enjoyed um, a lot of the matches that Cesaro Cena match was very good uh chris jericho seth rollins definitely delivered the goods as well overall i was thoroughly thoroughly impressed with everything that went down across across the entire broadcast there were a few things like i said uh that shitty divas match uh the stephanie mcmahon brie bella angle i would have probably laid out a little differently 
but overall definitely not a terrible terrible show that's all i'm saying for some reason i keep thinking that the ac is 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 bleeding into this audio maybe that should help that's a little better anyway let's get into the rest of the wrestling news and wrap things up oh okay thank you slick slick said that it's not bleeding in i think maybe it's just these headphones i haven't switched to the audio technica headphones yet so i think maybe it's just the uh the bleed in from the ac since it's directly behind me anyway so the big news outside of everything that's been going on for SummerSlam is daniel bryan um stopping a burglar that got into his house and um it was crazy uh daniel bryan was at comic-con uh with sting hulk hogan he they also announced the daniel bryan autobiography which i'm definitely going to pick up and um the guy got home he caught a burglar took him down put him in a rear naked choke until the police came and um a really really crazy story now a couple of things um daniel bryan uh they stopped this burglar the burglar was actually stealing uh from what i from what i've heard it was a bracelet that his father had given him along with other personal possessions uh the burglar didn't know who he was or anything and you know it, it's just a, a, a just a crazy year for daniel bryan you know between this incredible th- th- these incredible milestones that he's reached uh his popularity still remains high um he's got an autobiography in the works and to still just be in the spotlight now what you know unfortunately even though he said that the incident didn't affect uh his recovery or anything daniel bryan is going under the knife for a second surgery and um right now we're probably not going to see daniel bryan for for the foreseeable future but it's crazy that even even outside of the ring he continues to remain just a humble appreciative down-to-earth guy i mean think about it you come in you see somebody stealing some stuff and especially things that were so personal especially uh some stuff that his dad had given him before he passed away you know these are the kind of things that you look at and they're just they're feel-good stories daniel bryan probably one of the most genuine good guys in the sport and i really hope that his career isn't shortened by these injuries i think he still has a lot to to offer this business and i think that the crowd and the fans are just only seeing the tip of the iceberg with daniel bryan as a performer i tell people all the time and i cannot stress it enough wwe isn't the only game in town do yourselves a favor you got the network you got youtube look up brian danielson see all the great matches with countless performers that he had in ring of honor and in japan educate yourselves and see that daniel bryan is more than just a bearded guy that you know has a yes chant there's more to daniel bryan he is he is without a doubt probably one of the most complete performers that has come out recently on wwe television he is as complete as they get and you know it it was a feel-good moment i'm glad nothing got stolen i'm glad he didn't injure himself further and you know it's just it's just crazy that like i said even outside of the ring daniel bryan continues to just get good press he's still the good guy he's still fighting the good fight and um you know i wish him a speedy recovery i'm glad that nothing nothing too major was was stolen or that he wasn't able to recover anything so overall a happy ending and good press now uh, a lot of websites are reporting that the wwe is considering making the burglars breaking into daniel bryan's house an angle um courtesy of the authority again take that with a grain of salt i think that if they do that 
It's obviously Vince taking advantage of the mainstream press. Um, take that for what it's worth. But again, as of right now, it's something that's only been making the rounds on your typical wrestling websites. Okay, so let's talk about TNA Impact, which um, for those of you that have been going on our Facebook fan page, you will see that I shared a TMZ article that TNA Impact was being canceled by Spike TV after their TV deal is up in October. Now, as soon as you hear that, you automatically assume the worst. You automatically assume a death knell for TNA, um, people without jobs, etc., etc. But there's more to the story. There's definitely a lot going on. Um, Negotiations, from what I've heard, are still ongoing. A lot of websites are reporting that negotiations are still ongoing. But the thing is, when you look at TNA... They did their three shows in New York. They got three shows coming up in a, um, in a week. And they have a really good fan. They got really good fan reaction here in New York. They really turned it up to a, to a new level uh, with all their shows. The wrestling was good. The storytelling was good. I felt that it was probably some of the better, some of the better representation of the product um, that I've seen in quite the best representation of the product in quite some time. Now, when you look at that, you got to say to yourself, Okay, these guys, they're, st- they're finally turning the corner. They got a decent roster, but they're losing their TV deal. Now, some people are saying that Spike TV is using this as a bargaining chip to have TNA stay on Spike and, and be paid less. You know, they have to, they'll be paid less in terms of advertising and, and revenue, but um, that would keep them on. Other people are saying that Spike is using this as a power play to buy their own wrestling company like Turner owning WCW the same way Viacom owns Bellator. Uh, I don't buy it. I really don't think that that's going to be what's going to happen. And then, of course, there's people saying that WWE wants to buy the TNA tape library. All of this stuff is speculation at this point. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, negotiations are still ongoing. And... um, I think it's going to be something where we're not going to have the full story until probably the the tapings next week, and even then, we're not going to get the full story. I will say this, though. Um, TNA can probably benefit from a new home that's more mainstream because I'll be honest when I say it, and a lot of superstars have said it, that Viacom or Spike TV really doesn't go out of their way to promote Impact the same way they promote Bellator. I think Bellator is promoted more than Impact, partially because obviously it's owned by Viacom, but also because MMA is still in a in a in a very very mainstream place right now. Versus wrestling, which is in kind of not the downturn, but just not as prevalent as it used to be. Now, if TNA were smart, they'd try and leverage it and maybe get on you know, TBS or TNT or, you know, one of those, one of those other channels, because I feel that TNA's product is finally turning the corner. Now, Slick says TNA probably gets more promotion during the airing of Raw in USA than they do from Spike. And you know what? That's crazy. And it's true because TNA actually had purchased advertising for their shows here in New York. And we were seeing that more on on USA than on Spike TV. I definitely can agree with that. 110% slick. You are definitely right. Um I really don't want TNA to go under. I'll be I'll be honest when I say it. Sure, their product at times leaves a lot to be desired, but there's so many potentially there's so many great talents there 
that WWE either will misuse or won't use that at least with TNA, they have an outlet. I mean, WWE could probably take a guy like Samoa Joe or Robert Roode or James Storm. Hell, even Mr. Anderson or maybe Gunner, you know, guys like that. But then you look at guys like Zima Ion, uh, Manic, uh, Austin Aries, not so much. But you look at uh, at some of those other guys, not Rockstar Spud, definitely not. Ethan, Ethan Carter, uh, he was a WWE product, and now he's got a second wind in TNA. Maybe they'll bring him back. Maybe they won't. Bully Ray, obviously, WWE would scoop up immediately. Same thing with Jeff Hardy. But those guys eventually would get lost in the shuffle. Like uh, Slick just wrote, it keeps WWE on their toes. And sure, much like Bellator isn't really competition for the UFC, yeah, um, TNA isn't really competition for WWE, but you know what? It gives people an alternative, uh, another, another outlet to watch wrestling. Because honestly, if you don't want to watch WWE programming and you want to still enjoy good wrestling, you've come to use the network as your outlet. But there are other promotions out there. Dragon Gate, um, you know, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Ring of Honor, House of Glory. You know, there's a, there's a lot of promotions, both uh, nationally recognized and local, that still have great talent and put on great matches. Now, does TNA have a shot? I believe they do, but I think they're going to require a lot of restructuring, and they're going to they're going to require a network that's genuinely ready to invest in their success. I'm serious. You know, you could say, oh, well, TNA is going to go on MTV or WGA or, you know, any of those offshoot channels. And fine, you know, maybe FX or AMC. I think FX probably would be a better bet because at least you kind of still have that relationship with Fox that gives you some mainstream exposure. Plus, you can get your your television, you can get your advertising across multiple platforms. If anything, maybe TNA would benefit from a home on FX, but as of right now, negotiations, like I said, are still ongoing, but once I get more news, I will gladly share it with you guys. So, as I mentioned, uh, the, the Randy Orton thing with Roman Reigns, uh, WrestleZone elaborated on that a little bit, and they're saying that um, Randy Orton is killing the crowd in his matches with Roman Reigns because what they're saying is that Orton has been slowing down Reigns' rise as the top babyface. The belief is that John Cena can't carry the entire load and Daniel Bryan remains a question mark, so guys like Reigns are badly needed because they will improve business, which in turn allows the company and the wrestlers to make more money. Again, take that with a grain of salt. It it, you know, it, it could be rumor mongering, but then again, it may not be. I will say this. If their matches on the house show circuit are not good and their matches and their and, and this boils, you know, this this, you know, bleeds into their match at SummerSlam. I can guarantee you that it will definitely affect Roman Reigns negatively and Randy Orton will probably be shit on for the foreseeable future. We shall see what happens. Hopefully they tie it together and we can get a decent match out of them at SummerSlam. Now, the big, the other big news this week, uh, last week and the week prior, everybody was talking about Kenta signing with WWE, of course, and that was huge. Well, this week, WWE took it a step further and they announced the signing of Prince Devitt. Now, for those of you that don't know, Prince Devitt is an independent wrestler who's wrestled across the, across the globe 
he is a very very unique wrestler because he, util he utilizes a a great mix of high flying plus re technical wrestling that is without question some of the best wrestling i've seen um there was a uh, video package that was shared by um by my friend bloodstain lane and it was called the top 25 moves of Prince Devitt. And I want you to see this because while a lot of the moves may seem fairly basic, there definitely were some shades of brilliance there that I want to share with you guys. Now, again, it's it's one of those things where not every move is going to be uh, the end all be all. But I want you to see this because it's going to give you um, a glimpse of what Prince Devitt is going to bring to the table. Check this out. So, as you can see, they're going to show the top 25 moves. Most of them are pretty straightforward, pretty decent, but then you're going to start seeing some really crazy spots. Obviously not this. And Lariat, you know, Lariats are pretty, you know, pretty straightforward, but it's uh, a move in his repertoire. Same thing with a drop kick. He does a pretty good drop kick, though. Very crisp, very clean. Uh, similar to the Bob Holly dropkick. Nice and clean. Oh, there you go. I don't know if WWE is going to let him do that. There you go. Hesitation dropkick, much like Chris Saban in TNA. See, that's definitely nice move. Look at this. Nice missile-style dropkick. They're definitely not going to let him do a tombstone pod driver. It's not happening. Look at that superplex. Pretty decent. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary there. Same thing with this. But you see what I'm saying? You're getting some good wrestling and a mix of high-flying moves. Oh, there you go. Right on your fucking head. <laughs> Little Rob Van Dam. Nice Pele kick. Oh, there it is. That's going to be a, a spot that they'll probably use on TV. Similar to the backstabber and the code breaker, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe not. Run of the mill tope. Where's that tornado kick? There it is, lights out. Similar to the Trouble in Paradise that Kofi Kingston does, so I don't know if they're going to let him do that either. See? Very similar. Good night. Maybe. Maybe they might let him use it. Good night. Boom! There it is. Of course, a Brain Buster. Brain Buster's never a bad, never a bad finisher. 
I got no problem with a Brain Buster being used. There it is. Right on your fucking head. Uh, oh, that, that might be a cool spot. People might mark out for that. Regular tope. See, regular tope is all good. See that just all over the world. There it is. This I like. Look at that. Double foot stomp to the back of the head. Nasty, nasty move. Nasty. Look at that. Oh, there it is. Going kind of slow right here. What is he going to do? See, pro wrestling gorilla. Oh, it's a wrap. You know what it is? Since Seth Rollins does the curb stomp, I don't know if they'll let him do it, but it is it is ridiculous. Also similar to Loki's Warrior's Way. Oh, that guy's dead. Scrape that guy off the mat. This I like. Reverse Bloody Sunday. Boom! A wrap. The regular Bloody Sunday is nasty too. There you go. Oh, there's the reversal. 99. Oh, that guy's dead. Scrape him off the mat. See, this is the Bloody Sunday. Nasty. See, kind of like the Brain Buster a little bit. Oh. Good night. It also depends on how they sell it. See, that one looked nasty. I don't know. This definitely is not happening. Look at that. Not happening. They're not letting them do that. <laughs> or the Avalanche Brain Buster. Look at this shit. Stop the match. He's dead. Avalanche Bloody Sunday. Look, look. Oh, that guy's dead. I love Japanese commentary, man. They go fucking crazy for that shit. But yeah, overall, Prince Devitt, definitely a great pickup for the company. Um, full credit to BDWJ1986. Uh, I will make sure to link to that video in the show notes. And of course, uh, shout out to Bloodstay Lane, who shared that as well. Um, overall, just a tremendous, tremendous asset uh, brought into the company right now. But again, much like Kenta, it's all about usage at this point. If he is misused, it is not going to yield the results that you would expect. Um, we'll see what happens again. Social media has been a buzz with both signings. Both guys, I think are going to carry the torch for NXT. Once Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn get called up to the main roster. I think we're going to see a lot of Prince Devitt and Kenta going forward. I see that the chat room, a lot of you guys are logging in and out quite often. I don't know if you guys are having issues with the chat. If so, let me know. Um, maybe try refreshing the page or uh, maybe that that'll help you guys out. But um, like I said, the signing of Prince Devitt, big, big deal. Very, very big deal. But my biggest concern and the concern of many uh, tried and true wrestling fans is how he will be used. All right. So. You know, we got some what the fuck wrestling news. We got some what the fuck MMA news. It's it's crazy this week. So this is this is from TMZ. Make of it what you will. 
Uh, Buff Bagwell. We all know Buff Bagwell, WCW, um, Judy Bagwell on a pole match, member of the NWO, Buff is the stuff. You know, everything that we know Buff Bagwell for. Plus, I didn't know that he showed up on a series called Gigolos. I did not know that. Well, it looks like Buff Bagwell will be trading his stuff from being on Gigolos to being in porn. According to TMZ, they're saying that uh, Buff Bagwell has been in talks with Vivid boss Steve Hirsch, and um, they're really looking to get Bagwell involved in the adult film industry. Crazy stuff. I don't know if I don't know how how wrestling fans will will accept that, but I mean, if if China can do it and X Pac can do it, fuck it. Buff Bagwell is gonna do it now. Buff is gonna show people his stuff. That's it. Slick writes, isn't he too old for that now? Hey, I guess not, dude. I mean, uh, he was on that show Gigolos, which I didn't even know. But uh, yeah, Buff Bagwell porn star. <laughs> Christ almighty. I can't. I can't because it's it's just so, so insane. But what can you do? Well, we were due for some what the fuck wrestling news, and that definitely is it. Anyway. This week, we had the WWE conference call, and of course, all eyes were on the WWE Network numbers. Uh, One of the big things leading up to that call was the release of Ricardo Rodriguez. Of course, Ricardo Rodriguez uh, used to be the announcer for Alberto Del Rio. After their breakup, he went on to do commentary for the Spanish announce team, and he also worked as El Local on NXT and also on various non-televised matches as well. Um, he was released, um, July 30th and you know, it's weird because Ricardo Rodriguez, I always felt added a great dynamic, uh, great dimension to Alberto Del Rio. And as soon as they broke those guys up, Del Rio's just been treading water much like Ricardo Rodriguez. They definitely did need each other. You know, they needed each other and they were definitely vital to each other's success. Unfortunately, as we all know, with the WWE conference call looming, I have a feeling that this will not be the only cut that we will be seeing going forward. Anyway, as of right now, everybody was talking about what kind of numbers we would be seeing on the WWE network. Well, it appears that the target that they were going for um, was about 850,000 subscribers, which they did not get. Um, People are saying that they got roughly about 700,000 subscribers. Different websites are reporting anywhere from 667 to se- to 700,000. Um, the way I see it is the network is still doing very well, not to mention the fact that later on this month they will be unleashing the network across the rest of the world. So, you know, really, really big. Um, Canada uh, went into a partnership with WWE, a uh, 10-year deal with Rogers Communications. Um, in addition to that, like I said, the network will be available throughout the world starting August 12th um, in 170 countries and territories, including Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, Mexico, Spain. And um, of course, there's also expansion being planned for Italy, uh, Germany, Japan, India, China, Thailand, and Malaysia, which will be happening at a later date. Now, I feel that the expansion into these territories will definitely give WWE the numbers that they that they very much are looking for but like I've been saying it's it's a growth it's a growth process that's definitely going to uh take some time and it's going it, to it's going to be a little rough at the outset but I think WWE really revolutionized the medium 
with the WWE Network. And now with the with that, they're also offering pricing tiers, which I'm sure not too many people are going to be fond with because the first pricing tier, of course, is $9.99 a month with a six-month commitment. But if you want to pay month-to-month with no commitment, you will be paying $19.99 a month. Now, at $19.99 a month, you're going to look at it as you're still going to spend $240. Now, if you do $60 a month at times 12, you're spending 720. So, looking at it that way, 720 from 240, you're still saving um $480. So, you're still saving that even if you did the 19.99 a month without the 6-month commitment. I'll be honest when I say if you're signing up for the network at this point, you know, spend the 60 bucks, spend the 60 bucks for the six months. You're going to get your, you're going to get your value right off the bat from pay-per-views alone. Not to mention there is some good content on there. NXT is really good. And a lot of their original programming is, is definitely good. But most importantly, the tape library, watching old ECW events, old WCW events. I mean, the network definitely has something for everybody. So I understand a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, the, the 10 bucks a month, blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, it's probably less than a pack of cigarettes in some places. And maybe you don't need to go to Starbucks for two or three days out of the week and you can get to enjoy the network. I mean, it's a great value at $10 a month. This isn't me shilling the network or anything. This is just realistic. Just me being realistic. $10 versus $20, you know, 10 bucks with a six month commitment versus $20 with no commitment it's a no-brainer. It's it's half the price at this point. I'm sure that within the next year or two, the price of the network may go up from $9.99 to $12.99 or even to $15. But I'll be honest, even at $15 a month, it's still an incredible value because most pay-per-views are $60. And I'll be honest, I think I've been watching more WWE programming now with the network than I would than I would have without the network because I wasn't watching NXT. And I wasn't watching main event as much. So the network has allowed me to keep keep my finger on the pulse of, you know, all the programming going on. And I can watch it when I can. And it's, you know, it's been great. I think, obviously, like anything else, when you're the first in the, into the pool, when it's the same thing like neighborhood gentrification. If you move into a bad neighborhood and the neighborhood is going to be gentrified, while you're living there and it's a bad neighborhood... You're going to hate it and you're going to, you know, you're going to say to yourself, why did I move here? And then as the gentrification happens, the neighborhood improves and you feel better about living there. It's the same thing with the network. It's like on the outset, you're going to say, oh man, you know, 10 bucks a month. I'm not really getting value. But if you order WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam and Survivor Series, that's $240 right there. So even if you did it at 20 bucks a month, you just got an entire year's worth of pay-per-view and programming for what it costs you to order the big four pay-per-views. It's it's really not that bad. On the contrary, I think that at this point, like I said, even at 15 bucks, if they raised it, it's still a great value. But WWE is definitely going to be trimming the fat for the foreseeable future until they can make back the money that they've invested so heavily into the network. This is probably going to be uh, cut cuts from the administration side, cuts from the talent side. I, you know, if I were a guy like Zack Ryder, um, 
I would be very, very scared if the phone rang for the next couple of weeks just because I think that's going to be one of the things that's going to happen. They're going to trim a lot of the fat, um, a lot of the under underutilized performers, a lot of the misused performers are definitely going to get cut loose just because there, there's so many hours of programming and, then, and there's guys you're barely seeing on TV as it is. At this point, none of this would surprise me, but we shall see what happens. Uh, the last bit of news comes courtesy of our friend, the fight nerd. Uh, uh, Bellator had a media day here in New York City, and of course, I was pissed off I missed out on it. But um, Rampage did an interview with the fight nerd, and he took some shots at TNA, saying that they had he has no plans on going back. Um, he said, to be honest, as soon as I went over there and saw their operation and how they ran things, there were no plans for me to go back. There was a lot of momentum with me when I came out with Kurt Angle and I was supposed to wrestle Kurt and then that lost all its momentum. They didn't utilize me in any way. I gave them a couple ideas on how to utilize me and they wanted to me to wrestle professional MMA fighters. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. They just had no idea what they were doing. So in my opinion, no, you won't see me in TNA ever again. So there you have it. It's, it's crazy, but, um, I, I do feel that Rampage's his use in TNA was was terribly mismanaged. Um, I think King Mo definitely is being utilized a little bit better, but that's not saying much. That's all I'm saying. But um, it's weird because Rampage at this stage in the game would make a great professional wrestler. Uh, he's definitely a guy that if WWE picked him up and put him through NXT for for a year or two, he might be a serviceable guy. He might make a good enforcer. But um, with the wealth of talent that's out there, even MMA fighters like Rampage don't have the same value they had three or four years ago. I feel bad, though, because TNA, I thought they were going somewhere with a guy like Rampage who was such a, a an over-the-top personality. But obviously, they couldn't get the job done, and Rampage is definitely not going back. All right, so that's going to wrap up this week's wrestling news let's get into some gaming news because we got a little bit uh to discuss and um i'm gonna try not to go into overtime this week but uh we'll see what happens anyway let's talk gaming shall we so first thing i want to discuss is um a couple of news that came out of san diego comic-con one game that i've been keeping an eye on very closely is Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor. Now, I saw a little bit of it when E3 was going on, and it got my attention because the story was a little unique, um, definitely a little different than most games that I've seen, and it looks like they're actually moving up the release date. Originally, it was scheduled to come out October 7th, but now it looks like it's going to be arriving on PS4, Xbox One, PS3, 360 on September 30th, and on PC and Steam on October 7th. So, again, you're playing a character. His name is Talion. He's a ranger who um, he gets killed and he comes back. He comes back to life to, you know, on a path of revenge um, guided by a mysterious spirit of vengeance. Now, it's interesting because you're going to be able to learn the origins of the ring and you're going to use um, a lot of different powers. You're going to use just obviously swords, sword and sorcery stuff. But you're also going to be able to use some really uh, interesting um, ring wraith uh, type of powers, which I saw in some of the trailers. I definitely think that it's a promising game. It looked incredibly, it looked incredibly polished when I saw it. Now, 
we'll see what happens when it hits stores. Now, again, if you're interested in picking that up, uh, September 30th on next-gen and current-gen consoles and on PC and Steam on October 2nd. The next bit of news comes courtesy of Telltale Games, which, of course, if you've been on MyTakeRadio.com, you'll know that Slick recently reviewed uh, the recent season of The Walking Dead. Well, get your... Get your napkins and Kleenex ready because we will be going into the third season of The Walking Dead. Uh, Robert Kirkman and Telltale President Kevin Bruner announced the news at Comic-Con. And um, again, they didn't really shed too much on the plot with regards to what characters are going to be involved. Um, Of course, season two focuses on Clementine, who was a major supporting character in the first season. Uh, Definitely a... A very emotional game. Def- I, I recommend you read Slick's review. If you've been on the fence with regards to checking out the game, I definitely think that Slick really brought it home in full circle with his review of that game. And I'm sure he is chomping at the bit to try out Season 3 when it drops. If you've been on MyTakeRadio.com, I'm sure you've seen our coverage of the sweet, sweet 2014 event where we got some hands-on time with Disney Infinity. Um, Disney Infinity 2.0 really, really surprised me. I felt that the first Disney Infinity game had a lot of potential, but a lot of time was wasted with the toy box and all the other stuff. And if you're a person who's buying this game for small children, you really want them to get into the game right away. But as it turns out, it was definitely not the case in the first incarnation. Now, while we got to play Disney Infinity 2.0, I actually asked um, one of the members of the dev team, I said, hey, how are you going to account for the the slow progression that, that kids, that young children had to deal with with regards to playing the game, whether it was playing through stories or creating levels? And they really showcased a lot of great enhancements that really make accessibility, especially for the younger audience, uh, something that's that's key that's paramount i think they did a great job with it and they released a new trailer showing some villains that we will be seeing including ronan the accuser from guardians of the galaxy the green goblin and loki of course if if we're getting ronan the accuser you're probably asking yourself are we getting the guardians of the galaxy and the answer to that is yes we will be getting groot star lord gamora um drax the destroyer and of course rocket raccoon with their playset for Disney Infinity 2.0, definitely you can mark that down because it is coming. Uh, the game itself will be released September 23rd for the PlayStation 4, PS3, Xbox One, 360, Wii U, PC, and iOS tablets and smartphones. Of course, um, you will be able to use all the characters and power-ups from the previous Disney Infinity game in this new version. Of course, if you're a hardcore Marvel fan, you can check out our pictures on MyTakeRadio.com or on our Facebook fan page, and you can see some of the characters you will be seeing in Disney Infinity 2.0. Definitely uh, Venom, Spider-Man, The Avengers, of course, Nick Fury, Iron Fist, and then, of course, you got a lot of great Disney characters, including Angelina Jolie's Maleficent, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, Tinkerbell, and countless other characters as well. Like I said, definitely check out our photo gallery on MyTakeRadio.com or on our Facebook fan page as well. Now the next bit of news definitely was surprising to me because I really thought that this game got swept under the rug and that was it. And that involves Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Of course, Street Fighter Cross Tekken was released by Capcom and it was pretty well received. I know a lot of people really didn't 
didn't feel that it was as good of a game as it should have been but on the flip side tekken cross street fighter is going to happen uh katsuro harada did say that the game is still in the works and um you know when he was asked about it at comic-con by the polygon crew he said that the game is still in development and it's still moving forward he said it has not been canceled so please relax originally the game's engine was showed off at gamescom 2010 but obviously nothing else has happened since then of course street fighter cross tekken was released in 2012 and has still been a pretty well used game on the fighting game circuit and still gets a lot of love i mean obviously with ultra street fighter 4 ultimate marvel versus capcom you know the plate is pretty full as well as persona killer instinct which i got some news for you guys if you're fans of that game uh, you know it, it's it's pretty it's a pretty full plate for fight fans me personally i really like street fighter cross tech and i love fighting games i i try to support the fighting game community where i can picking up as many of the titles that get my attention you know games like persona aqua Paza, uh street fighter i have the pretty much every street fighter i think i did a stream of street fighter ex plus alpha on our youtube channel uh my take radio uh my take radio tv on youtube if you're interested in subscribing and uh, you can also find us on my take radio tv on twitch um but i will say that with street fighter and even with the fighting game genre it goes in cycles uh sometimes you get a, a crop of really great games and then things get quiet for a while i mean right now we got killer instinct uh, we're probably going to get a brand new Injustice, which I heard is being worked on. Um, of course, we got Ultra Street Fighter 4 and, um, you know, Mortal Kombat X. So I think fight fans are going to be in for quite a treat on the next-gen console side of things going forward. I would love to see Tekken Cross Street Fighter, but obviously with it still being in development, I don't have faith that we'll see that, we'll see that game anytime before, say, 2017 at best only because, you know, development has been so quiet and press about the game has pretty much been non-existent. So I'm sure 2014 and 2015 will be pretty quiet, maybe 2016, 2017 at best. But again, that's just me throwing out some rough estimates. As the stories develop, I will definitely share it with you guys. On the beta side of things, I kind of feel like I'm the only person that has not played the Destiny beta which has been available on Xbox 360 and PlayStation uh, PlayStation 3, PS4, Xbox One. I definitely do feel like I've been left out just because I haven't had a chance to get a code for it. And um, a lot of people have been playing it. They've been enjoying it, saying good things about it. But um, you know what the problem is? Trying to get a code and just setting aside the time to play it is... I'd love to do it, but there's so much going on. So I, I'm definitely blaming myself for it. But a lot of people are saying some cool things about it. The game does look really nice. I saw some Xbox One gameplay on Twitch. And I saw a couple of people that I know uh, streaming it on their respective channels. And it definitely looks promising. Um, If I can get a code, I'll definitely check it out and share my thoughts with you guys. But, you know, I've I've been playing a lot of Killer Instinct. I've been trying to get through a back catalog of games. And then, obviously, with Xbox games, uh, Xbox Gold... You're getting, you know, two free games a month, and um, I've been trying to play through some of those as well, just to free up space. I actually just finished um, Sleeping Dogs a couple of days ago, and I was, I, I actually enjoyed it. You know, a lot of people gave me a lot of shit for playing it or giving me a lot of shit for not playing it, but I, I finished uh, Sleeping Dogs, 
and um, I liked it. I thought I thought it was a fun game. Uh, with regards to what you messaged me, Slick, I do have that, and I'm going to get into that as well. Um, Sleeping Dogs, a fun game. It was free through you know Xbox Live Gold, and uh, it was it was an enjoyable game. Was it a game that would have set the the war the world on fire? No, but it definitely yielded the amount of enjoyment that was that was worthy of it being a free game. You know, I, I played through it and I was like, wow, the story's pretty cool. I like the open-endedness and um, I had a blast. I had a really good time with it. Now I can knock that off my queue and go into some other stuff. I've been so backlogged between new games, Gamefly games. I haven't even published a Gamefly queue review that I was working on for a game. And again, just a serious backlog, but hopefully in the coming weeks, I'll be able to clear some of that out. And of course, uh, Slick and, and the rest of the MTR crew have been uh, a huge help in clearing some of those games out that we've that we've received for review. So definitely props to those guys. I'm a little I'm a little disappointed with the next bit of news, but not disappointed enough to say that we're gonna you know we should be advocating a death knell of any sort, and that involves Nintendo. Um, Nintendo's numbers right now for the Wii U is 500,000 units sold globally. Mario Kart 8 sold 2.8 million units in just one month. Um, the issues with the Wii U have resulted in Nintendo recording a $9.9 billion loss with the quarter that ended on June 30th. Um, the thing, obviously, is uh, the lack of major releases. Even though Mar- Mario Kart 8 has performed you know, tremendously with um, 2.8 million copies sold in the quarter despite it being sold in May... Uh, the fact remains that there's still a bit of a of a drop off with regards to Wii U units that have sold. There was also a drop off in sales of the 3DS, which sold 820,000 units versus the 1.4 million that it sold in the first quarter of 2013. Now, it's definitely it's definitely weird because it it's we're in a, again a very weird shift. Nintendo has a lot of great titles on the horizon. Um, you know, Hyrule Warriors, Bayonetta 2, Wii Sports Club, Super Smash Brothers. Um, you know, a lot of stuff got shown off at E3 that looked incredibly promising. Uh, Captain Co- uh, Captain Toad, which I definitely want to play. I actually contemplated picking up a Wii U because that game just just sucked me in when I saw the trailer. I also liked um, the uh, the shooting game that they had with the squids. Uh, the name escapes me right now, but. It definitely was a game that got my attention. Uh, you know, I've made the jump to next gen slowly but surely. Obviously, with the Xbox One being my first purchase, uh, the PlayStation Four being my second, uh, the Wii U is gonna inevitably be purchased. I just feel that right now, um, at least for me, the library isn't where it should be. See, um, my sister, her birthday is coming up, and uh, my grandmother was going to buy her a tablet. And the thing is, my sister given her her level of autism is still a a very very engaged gamer she loves gaming loves it extremely and um my issues with my grandmother wanting to buy her the tablet stemmed from a no no kind of um safeguards my grandmother's not going to be watching what site she goes to or what app she downloads not to mention the whole in-app purchases thing you know that's one of those things that concerned me because my sister would play a game like uh, let's use an example like the, uh, Farmville or something like that, and then start buying as many tokens as possible if it's associated with a credit card. Seconds. 
Ah, the 90-second warning. For those of you listening to the show via Blog Talk Radio, that feed will go off air at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to continue listening to the show, definitely listen via mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. Otherwise, you can find archives on mytakeradio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio as well. But um, 60 seconds. 60 seconds, we go off air on the Blog Talk Radio feed. Again, mtrlive.com to listen to the Mixler feed or watch the video as well. Anyway, so... You know, I was going to get my sister the tablet and I'm, well, my grandmother wanted to get the tablet and I, um, I said to myself, listen, I'd like, uh, I want to get her a Wii U cause she can still get some sort of a tablet game, you know, gameplay out of it. Plus she can play all the Mario games and stuff that she loves to play. And it's just, I understand, you know, it's a $250 investment and I figured if we all chip in, we can get it for her. I'll take that versus getting her a tablet because obviously there's a lot more safeguards I can put on the Wii U. Plus, there's a there's a pretty decent library of games between the Wii and the Wii U that she Ten can play. Seconds. All right, we got it. Ten seconds before the Blog Talk Radio feed goes off air. Again, you can continue listening live and watching live at mtrlive.com. Anyway, so I'm gonna pick up a Wii U for for my sister for her birthday, and then I'll probably use that as a beta test to see if I want to pick up the system as well. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the, the system does have a lot of good games on the horizon, just that the losses that they've experienced right now is because they haven't had any games during the quarter. Obviously Mario Kart was huge. Uh, you know, 2.8 million units in a month is nothing to, to, to laugh at on the contrary, very, very good numbers, but hopefully now within the next few months between super smash brothers and some of the other games that they're working on maybe more people will start picking up the Wii U. I mean, I'm definitely convinced to pick it up for Smash Brothers, uh, Hyrule Warriors, and a couple of other games, and, you know, Mario, uh, Mario Kart as well. So, you know, it's a no-brainer at this point. If I do pick it up, obviously, I will let you guys know. So, the other big news this week, and Slick actually mentioned this to me, uh, we all know that, you know, if you want to rent games... You can always rent games via Gamefly, which is what I do. And uh, Sony is working on PlayStation Now, which as of you know, as of right now, no pun intended, has kind of ruffled some feathers with regards to pricing. So EA looks to set themselves apart by offering their own service. But get this, it's only going to be a service that you will be seeing on the Xbox One because Sony felt that the service did not represent a good value. So... EA service is basically you're going to pay $5 a month for the Xbox one and you'll be able to play any EA title uh, via EA access. This is going to include FIFA 14 Madden 25 Peggle 2 and Battlefield 4. Obviously more titles will be available, but you either pay $5 a month or $30 a year to access this EA catalog. Now at first glance, you look at it and you say, Hey, Five bucks a month and I can play FIFA, Madden, Battlefield. Great. But here's here's the thing. EA, just being a a fan of one publisher's catalog, it's not something where you're going to get a huge amount of value. I'll be honest. If you're using PlayStation Plus or Xbox One and maybe you wait a couple of months, maybe you'll get Madden for free. 
or maybe you'll get FIFA for free, or maybe you'll get Battlefield at a reduced rate. I understand the that EA's trying to do something different and change, you know, change the tide, but honestly, offering another service to to allow gamers to rent games, another subscription service, it's just it's just really not the right move cuz gamers are already paying either for PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold and they're paying what they're paying and now you want them to pay another 5 bucks a month or another $30 a month to only play games from your catalog, which again, Obviously, it's EA service. That's what they're going to do. But I don't feel that there's any real value in that. When you can take, uh, if you wait a couple of weeks, you might be able to get Madden 25 for 20 bucks. Just because a brand new Madden is, you know, a brand new Madden is on the, I mean, you know, a new Madden is on the horizon, I'm saying. So games like FIFA, games like Madden, those are sports games that their value tumbles very, very, very quickly. A game that you might be paying $60 for now, if you wait a month or two, might come down to $30. Hell, it might come down to $25. It's happened sometimes sooner than that. So in that instance, I really do feel that EA, they're they're trying to do something different, but at the end of the day, it just looks like a, a like a like another way for them to to you know line their pockets, so to speak. Slick just told me that the new Madden drops August 29th. So think about it. If you're, if you want to pick up the current Madden, not, not, not the new one that drops August 29th, but the current one, you can pick it up probably between 20 and $25 at, at best, maybe even less depending on, on where you go to pick up your used games. But seriously, they're offering you FIFA, Madden, Peggle and Battlefield. And yeah, they're promising you new, you know, new titles that'll be added but again, what new titles? You're offering Peggle, Madden, FIFA, and Battlefield 4. <laughs> Slick just writes, Peggle, double fuck you. <laughs> um, I- I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting ploy. But if I were if, if I were Xbox or I were Sony, I would say, listen, instead of trying to launch your own service as quote unquote counter programming. Why don't you why don't you try and work with us so that we can offer gamers better incentives whether it be better DLC, first party exclusives, etc. I mean Slick just wrote that you're not even getting Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare. So for those of you that want the full run, now let me break it down. So right now EA Access is in beta. You get like I said FIFA 14, Madden 25, Peggle 2 and Battlefield 4. Of course, the promise is, of course, new titles. New titles will be coming soon. In addition, they will receive a 10% discount on all EA purchases from the Xbox Game Store, including full games and downloadable content. On top of that, EA Access members will be able to download and play trial versions of new EA games up to five days before their release dates and carry over the progress to the final release. Like I said, the service will have a $5 fee, or a $30 annual membership. So there you have it. Of course, there are some limitations. Obviously, Titanfall is excluded from all EA Access promotion. So there you have it. A huge game like Titanfall does not count. Not to mention, what about EA Sports UFC? I don't see it on that list. So what's the deal? You want people to pay pay 5 bucks a month to play four games four with the dangling carrot 
that they're going to get other games in the coming months. Come on, man. For for the $30 you spend, you could just as easily hold that and buy any of those games for that price sooner rather than later. I've seen Titan fall as low as 30 bucks already. 30. Come on. It's ridiculous. Slick said other games equal the first Sims game. You know what the terrible thing is? He's probably right. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not a fan personally. A lot of people I saw on Twitter were kind of interested in it. But me personally, it's not something that really gets my attention. But if you're into that sort of thing, like I said, the beta is available now. If you want to piss away five bucks to play four games, knock yourselves out. To wind it down for this week's entertain, uh, this week's gaming segment, excuse me, entertainment is coming up next. Uh, this week's gaming segment, uh, Killer Instinct, which many of you know is available on Xbox One, will be getting a retail release. Now, obviously, this is going to piss off a couple of people, but for me personally, I purchased the game on Xbox One, so I'm not too bent out of shape about it. But if you are interested in picking up the retail version, it will be available on September 23rd. It will be called the Combo Breaker Pack, and it will include the eight fighters from Season 1 of the game's release. Obviously, Jago, Saberwolf, Saberwolf, excuse me, Glacius, Glacius, sorry, uh, Chief Thunder, Sidira, Orchid, Spinal, and Fulgore. But you're also going to receive a download code for TJ Combo. Now, the Combo Breaker Pack will have a retail price of $19.99 as of right now. Um, me personally, since I already have the game, I'm sure I'll get DJ, uh, I'll get TJ Combo, excuse me, as a uh, as a bonus character or as a season pass character. So I'm not too worried about it, but. There are quite a few of you that I know that don't want to deal with uh, downloadable versions of the games and actually want to own the physical copy. Knock yourselves out for 20 bucks. It's definitely not a bad deal. Um, the, the version I got, like I said, I got all the characters and I got the classic Killer Instinct game as well. So I actually have been playing that quite a bit, just, just trying to get reacquainted with the old game. Uh, from what I gather... The second season of Killer Instinct will include TJ Combo and Maya from Killer Instinct 2. Plus, there is also a rumor that we may be seeing Killer Instinct 2 available on, you know, Xbox Live Arcade as well. How true that is remains to be seen, but there's been a lot of rumors that have definitely been adding some fuel to the fire. Of course, if that is true, I will definitely let you guys know as soon as possible. All right, so with that said, that is going to close out this week's enter uh, this week's gaming segment. Wow, I keep wanting to go to the entertainment segment. I think it's just because the uh, the monster's wearing off, and uh, we're going into a little bit of OT. Anyway, let's get into this week's entertainment news, which are going to be brought to you by our friends at SuperheroStuff.com. If you are into comics, uh, pop culture, whether it's Marvel or DC or science fiction, and you want to pick up some really kick-ass tees or kick-ass collectibles, make sure to check out our friends at SuperheroStuff.com. They have a promo code for My Take Radio listeners, which is 15RADIO. You'll be able to use that to get 15% off any order done throughout the month of July. Obviously, um, we're going to get a brand new promo code within the next couple of days, but I believe that promo code should probably still be active until we get a new one. Again, make sure to check out our friends at superhero stuff. 
Entertainment.com. They are the sponsors for this week's entertainment segment, which starts right now. Alright, so let's get the ball rolling with some post-San Diego Comic-Con news, and that involves our very own and and one of my favorite characters, Ash from Evil Dead, portrayed by an uh, an always awesome actor, the legendary Bruce Campbell. It looks like Evil Dead may not just be returning to the big screen, but may be getting a run on the small screen. According to Bloody Disgusting, it looks like we will be getting an Evil Dead TV series. As per an announcement at San Diego Comic-Con, and best of all, Bruce Campbell will be reprising his role as Ash. Again, uh, take this this now for for just something that's in progress, but hopefully we will get some news sooner rather than later. Of course, the Evil Dead remake, which released in April 2013 and actually almost earned $100 million, was uh, quite solid. And um, I really enjoyed it. Definitely a lot more gross out, uh, gross out horror. But um, the rumor right now is that the the remake is supposed to somehow tie into the classic series. I don't know how they plan on doing that. Minus obviously the uh, special, the special scene at the end of the credits of the first film. Take that for what it's worth. But an Evil Dead TV series definitely would be very interesting. And once we get more news, we will share it with you guys but of course san diego comic-con belonged primarily to marvel and dc so we got a lot of news to get out of the way um on the marvel side of things they are circling uh joaquin phoenix to become doctor strange in the um big screen adaptation of the sorcerer supreme uh very interesting obviously uh joaquin phoenix a very eclectic and crazy guy um He's been doing a lot of independent films, but of course he's done a lot of great turns. Um, of course, uh, as Commodus in Gladiator, as Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Um, again, a very, very interesting character and a very interesting actor circling the role. Again, not nothing has been confirmed by Marvel as of yet, but we shall see. I mean, how do you guys feel about a guy like Joaquin Phoenix being uh, Doctor Strange? Me, personally, Doctor Strange is such a... You know, no pun intended, a strange character and his his story and even his rogues gallery is so unique that I don't even know how well it would translate onto screen without it coming off as hokey and over the top. But again, to each his own. As of right now, uh, this Joaquin Phoenix thing is a rumor. And once we get some more information, if it's legit, we'll definitely dig into it a little deeper. But maybe it's something that we can pose on our Facebook fan page for you guys to uh, discuss amongst yourselves. What do you think about Joaquin Phoenix as uh, Doctor Strange? Let me know your thoughts on a, on the fan page, and uh, maybe we'll share those responses on air. Of course, the big news this week, Guardians of the Galaxy hitting theaters. Well, actually, it's been in theaters most of today, and is officially in theaters uh, as of midnight earlier this evening. Anyway... Guardians of the Galaxy has been so well received already and is making so much money already that they have already greenlit a sequel with a set release date of 2019. Of course, um, 
this is going to be another stage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and shows how much Marvel believes in their properties when we're already getting a sequel to a film that has barely been in theaters 48 hours. But the amount of great press that the film has been receiving and, and the reviews that it's been getting uh, lead me to believe that the praise is definitely well-deserved. I'll be checking out Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend, and I'm sure most of our staff will be as well. So be on the lookout for a review of the film on MyTakeRadio.com at some point this weekend. On the flip side of things, for all the good news coming out of the Marvel camp, we did get some bad news. And that, of course, involves the Ant-Man film, which just does not want to be done. Uh, Patrick Wilson, who was going to be one of the villains in Ant-Man, actually had to uh, decline his involvement in the film due to a scheduling conflict. As such, he has left the project. I don't know what's going to happen with his character as of yet. But as of right now, the film continues to move forward with its anticipated July 17th, 2015 release date. I really am not 100% on board with this, with this movie or the concept whatsoever, just because he is such a fringe character. And again, the same can be said for Guardians of the Galaxy. But if you're going to do Ant-Man, he, he, you could have probably succeed, you could have succeeded in introducing him in, say, the Avengers as like, hey, this is our head, uh, our head of our science division, Hank Pym, and then just kind of set that up like, oh, you know, we look forward to working with you or whatever. And then just kind of a little Easter egg. You throw it out there, a little nugget and let it let it ripple through the pond, so to speak. But as it turns out, Marvel took it upon themselves to, um, you know, launch this character. Edgar Wright seemed to have been doing a good job. Creative differences led to Wright leaving. And of course, after Wright's departure, everything is just falling apart. As of right now, Ant-Man's 2015 release date is still on schedule. Meanwhile, on the DC side of things, of course, DC Wild fans with their first glimpse, not only of uh, Superman and Batman, or well, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, which was a very cool trailer using a Frank Miller-esque Batman in the full armor, uh, lighting the bat symbol into the sky and once it was illuminate, once the sky was illuminated within the bat symbol was Superman with his heat vision glowing and a very, very mean mug on his face. Of course, fans marked out heavily. And um, me personally, I continue to use a wait and see approach. Fans were also treated to um, the final picture of Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. So we have officially seen... Um, Obviously, Henry Cavill's Superman, and of course, we got Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and of course, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. We still have yet to see uh, characters like Aquaman, Cyborg, Lex Luthor, etc., but obviously, the DC Trinity not only was complete and was shown, but they were also at San Diego Comic-Con as well. Definitely a huge moment for DC. This is this is their, their opportunity to create this universe and and grow and grow it out and add all these characters into the mix. I, I truly wish them luck and success because it obviously uh, not only does it allow for competition between Marvel and DC, but above all else, the fans are the ones that benefit. Now, the Wonder Woman costume has been met mostly with positive response. A lot of people feel that the colors are too muted. Uh, small gripe, in my opinion. I think it has a lot of Xena warrior princess qualities, but... Overall, it definitely does not look terrible. I'm sure Gal Gadot will continue 
to work on getting in even better shape as the film nears release. But for the time being, Superman versus uh, Batman versus Superman is still scheduled for its May 6, 2016 release date. And for those of you that were hoping that the teaser trailer shown at San Diego Comic-Con will be available to the general public, I got some bad news for you. All signs right now are pointing to that remaining a Comic-Con exclusive. We shall see what happens. I mean, we did get that Daredevil test. Fo- I mean, Daredevil, that a uh, Deadpool test footage, which has been making the rounds as of late and is actually quite awesome. So who knows? Maybe uh, Zack Snyder and DC will soften their stance and the fans may get that teaser. If we do get it, of course, uh, we will be sharing that on mytakeradio.com. Dark Helmet, what did you mean with regards to Xena? I said Wonder Woman's costume looks a lot like the Xena Warrior Princess costume, minus obviously the uh, you know the big spinning uh, whatever she called that the the chakram or, or I forgot what she called that spinning disc of death that she used to throw. Um, like I said, uh, Wonder Woman's costume the colors a little muted, but not the worst thing I've seen. That's all I'm saying. But once I get more info and I can sit down and really process it. Maybe we'll dig a little deeper in the coming weeks. All right, so let's switch gears for a second and talk box office totals. Number one in the box office was Lucy, which defeated Hercules. Of course, our very own Slick went to see Lucy in theaters and has a review on MyTakeRadio.com. So do yourselves a favor. Check it out. If you're on the fence about seeing Lucy, I would give Slick's review a read before heading out to the theater. Uh, Hercules took the number two slot. I was actually supposed to go see it and... My schedule just just kept changing and changing, and I couldn't get out to see it. On top of that, people were just like, eh, it was all right. People were like, oh, are you going to go see it in IMAX 3D? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then they were like, yeah, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would not do it. I wouldn't. And, and so many people just kind of talked me out of it that uh, the weekend came and went, and I said, you know what? Maybe I'll just wait and go see Guardians instead. So, again, it's my own fault. I, I know I owe you guys a Hercules review. Maybe it'll happen but uh, definitely not this weekend. Anyway, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was number three. The Purge Anarchy was number four. Planes, Fire and Rescue was five. Sex Tape was six. Transformers was number seven. And So It Goes was eight. Tammy was number nine. And A Most Wanted Man was number 10. Again, these box office numbers will not mean shit this weekend because the number one slot will probably belong to Guardians followed by Lucy, maybe by Hercules, and then, uh, yeah, we'll probably get The Expendables, uh, which was also coming out this month, so it's going to be a decent a decent box office run, but I think Guardians is probably going to own the box office through Labor Day weekend. We shall see what happens. In some other news, Jamie Foxx is going to be assuming a role that we've seen before on film. And that is the role of Mike Tyson. Many of you know that, uh, a film, a 1995, a biopic and was released in 1995 starring, um, our friend of the show, Michael Jai white. And, um, this brand new film will have Jamie Foxx starring as Mike Tyson. We don't know right now if the book will be based on Mike Tyson's memoir, the undisputed truth, or how much of his life will be represented on film. But as of right now, Variety is reporting that Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx is lined up to play Mike Tyson in an upcoming film. 
Uh, definitely pretty solid casting. I think Jamie Foxx, after his work in Ray Charles, uh, in Ray as Ray Charles, I can't even say it's bad casting just because Jamie Foxx really does a great job of, of immersing himself in these roles. He was great in Ali. He was great in Ray. I, I'm, you know, I'm a huge James Brown fan, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the James Brown film. I'm, I'm curious to see how Chadwick Boseman does portraying James Brown. It definitely looks like an awesome movie. I have a weak spot for James Brown. My mom used to play a lot of James Brown stuff. And um, uh, one of my jams, Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, gets played a lot in my house. I actually have it on Spotify. So um, I'm curious about that film. And I'm also curious to see what kind of a transformation Jamie Foxx goes through to become Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was a was a huge muscular guy in his prime. And um, he has such a, a unique story uh, between his relationship with Customato, his uh, issues with Robin Givens, his uh, issues and his mismanagement by Don King. I'm curious to see what sides of his life we're going to see on the big screen, and we'll see how well Jamie Foxx can bring that to life. All right, so this this bit of news shouldn't shock anybody, but of course this past Wednesday, Sharknado, uh, Sharknado 2, I should say, the second one, uh, hit the airwaves on Sci-Fi and just decimated competition uh the film was the most watched original film of all time scoring 3.9 million viewers uh and 1.6 million of those viewers were in the 18 to 49 demographic after this there was also all the internet buzz for the film of course there was trending topics all over the place it was it was insane um i actually dvr'd it i haven't seen it yet but slick shared a couple of anecdotes on our facebook fan page and everybody says that it was a fun time, over the top, silly, but nonetheless enjoyable. In any event, uh, Sharknado 2 will probably be available on the Sci-Fi Channel app, and I'm sure they will be replaying it as well. I think um, they're probably going to be re-releasing it, I mean, uh, re-airing it, I hear, I believe, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, from what I see here... They're going to re-air it at 7 p.m. and then Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you missed out on Sharknado, you'll be able to catch it either one of those times this weekend. And our last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up and to take it home this evening. uh, Universal Pictures has announced release dates for both The Huntsman, which is the prequel to Snow White and the Huntsman with Chris Hemsworth and Charlize Theron, and also their reboot of The Mummy franchise. Of course, uh, the original Mummy trilogy had Brendan Fraser and made a shit ton of money. I thought it was very enjoyable popcorn fare, but it looks like Universal is going to try and give their Universal monsters a fresh coat of paint and bring their films back to the mainstream, uh, the Mummy being the first, and of course all the other characters following suit shortly thereafter. So like I said, the Huntsman prequel to Snow White and the Huntsman is scheduled for release April 22nd, 2016, and the reboot of The Mummy is due to hit theaters June 24th, 2016. So, of course, if you're interested in either one of those films, definitely put them on your calendar or mark them down. Otherwise, make sure to stay tuned to My Take Radio for more news on both of these films as they develop. With that said, that is going to wrap up this week's show. So uh, let's take it away, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 237 for Thursday, July 31st, 2014. 
If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested in advertising with us, you can also email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or advertising at mytakeradio.com. Either one of those will work. Uh, Last but not least, I definitely want to thank our staff, of course, Slick, Ben, Jay, Quark, Blade, Andrea, Josh, uh, the rightist, and the rest of the MTR family for all their contributions. Uh, The next evolution of My Take Radio is going to be insane, and I look forward to sharing it with you guys sooner rather than later. As always, if you want the best My Take Radio experience, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app. It's $1.99. It's available for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. For Android, you can find it in the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS, of course, iTunes. And for Windows 8 and Windows Mobile, in the Windows Store. You can also get archived episodes via Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. If you're getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. Even if you don't want to write an in-depth review, please take a moment and at least give us five stars. We would really appreciate it. As for keeping up with the show, besides MyTakeRadio.com, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, and Pinterest. Or if you're an Instagram user, you can always follow me at MyTakeRadio underscore Rich as well. All right, guys. Um, equipment, of course, provided by our friends at Audio Technica. Definitely thanks to our sponsors, Superhero Stuff, MMA Warehouse, and the WWE Shop as well. I will catch you guys next week. Taking us out this week will be our friends from Pulling Punches. They got a new song out, uh, Bomb Psychology, and you'll be able to check that out on uh, MyTakeRadio.com. They got a music video for it, and we will share links to all of Pulling Punches' music as well. Again, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the MTR family, I will catch you guys next week. Peace.
You've just heard My Take Radio episode 237. You can find out more about My Take Radio by visiting mytakeradio.com or you can also follow us on Twitter at My Take Radio, become a fan on Facebook, add us to your circles on Google Plus, follow our boards on Pinterest, or you can always keep up with me on Instagram, My Take Radio underscore Rich. As a quick reminder, My Take Radio airs live every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. So if you want to listen, chat, or watch live, you can head over to mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. Thanks for listening.